The following hoot nanny will be explicit. Oh, we had this good idea. Well, it seemed good at the time. Now half our party's dead, and that sure ain't a good sign. So now we're back to character, Jen, our error we now see. So before we try out plan A, let's figure out plan B. Oh, we had this good idea. You're listening well, to Happy Jack's RPG Podcast, now pursuing the RPG dead. hobby with reckless abandon and beer. So now we're back to character, Jen, our error we now see. So before we try out plan A, let's figure out plan B. <laughs> Thank you for joining us for Season 16, Episode 11 of Happy Jack's RPG Podcast. My name is Stu. This is Gina. This is Bill. And I'm Tim. And here we are. Uh, you know, have you realized how like highfalutin we've got when we started doing this? It was like shitty beer out of a, out of a can or a, Ultra. a Dixie cup or whatever, and now it's like wine. Mason jars. Dixie wine. Yeah. I wish we had Mason jars. This is a good wine. What is, is this? It is. is. This, this is, is the house. It's yeah. good. We started drink. Stu would drink a beer, yeah, and then got, we would have to drink his pee. We got like right. smoke, <laughs> so low smoking rent. jackets now. I know I brandy know. snifters. Yep. Right. Yeah. What I time do the I wear pants. What time do the Twilik yeah. masseuses show up? <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna go to a Twilik massage parlor. Um, <laughs> if you'd like to email the show, you can email us at happyjacksrpg at gmail.com. That's happyjacksrpg at gmail.com. You can check us out on the forum at happyjacks.org slash forum. And this is what's coming up in the show. We're going to first talk about our experiences at the game convention. That's uh, Orcon 2016. Yes. yes. Um, we have an email from Liam in Australia, and he has a question about pacing in his Call of Cthulhu game. Simon in London shares some interesting fear mechanics. The great Reverend Dr. Johnson is going to set me straight on Goodman Games Kickstarters. And Thomas in Denmark has some comments and questions about his Savage Worlds Rippards game. We are yep. inter-fucking-national. I was just going to say, road. step up, Murka. That's right. No, Murka. Is, is there Where's an email Murka? from Murka? Where's Dr. Johnson? <laughs> That sounds like Do- an American. Yeah, name. he. Yeah, he. I think he is. Oh. I think he's an. He's an American. He was, he's also a reverend. He was, no, Professor Cock. Good job, Reverend Doctor Johnson, <laughs> sir. Professor John Thomas. John Thomas. <laughs> John Thomas. <laughs> Dick, <laughs> Dick Paul. Um, so the game convention. Yeah. 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 I never saw you. I know. I feel so bad. <laughs> I was just saying that to Tomes. I, I uh, played one game in a room, and the rest, and then I didn't. I played all the other games in my suite. Oh, really? A Shadow Pond, yeah. Oh, did you really? Yeah. So, so they were off the books, or were they on the books? Uh, a couple of them were on the books. Sometimes on a smaller table, we just move, play in the table in okay. the room. Uh, although I like the setup just fine now. Mm-hmm. Uh, but ended up playing a bunch of off-the-book stuff. So a couple play tests. Mm-hmm. Um, four, I think it was... Uh, Four powered by the apocalypse games. Hippie. So yeah, I've played it. Right. No, that's mainstream now. <laughs> yeah. it Fuck is. that. It's no longer hippie. powered by the apocalypse. <laughs> is getting to be mainstream. We talked about Stork brought that up at the podcast. It's like so many games are doing that now. Yeah. yeah. Oh, there's I I lost yeah, count at one point. I was trying to keep track, but there's like there's scores and scores of. I don't think any other game will be mainstream besides D and D and maybe Pathfinder, be- I, just because of the numbers. I've even warmed up to it now. Because the GURPS. No, well, yeah, but... Uh, Wait, what? The Percentage-wise, have you really? Uh, yeah, kind uh-huh. of. Because he found that there's... The, no, no, it's just D6s. I, I was thinking Fate. I could see you would totally... Oh, like, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Grab yeah. all of the Fate dice you could find. No, I, I got to play a, an Apocalypse World game. Whose? 
Uh, it was, oh my God, I'm never going to remember the GM's name. I it, do. Is, was it Stephanie? Yes. Yeah. It was Stephanie. She was uh, playtesting a new hack called Zoinkies. Zoinkers. No, Jinkies. Jinkies. Something <laughs> like that. Whatever. And, it, uh, I can tell it made an impression weeks. on you. <laughs> no, it totally, <laughs> it totally did. I just have, my memory is leaking like is a it, Is that a reference to something? Yeah, yeah, it was it was like a a uh, Raw Raw Raggy. I was yeah, say, like it sounds like a Scooby Scooby Doo. Yeah. Uh, Josie and the Pussycats. What's it called? Jinkies. Jinkies. Remember? That, remember that's what what uh, Thelma Which, would say. She'd be like Jinkies. Yeah, I don't yeah. remember that. Jinkies, Scooby. All I remember was Zoics, and that's what's his name. Zoics. Yeah, that, that was yeah. Shaggy. Zoic Scoob. That's, yeah, that's Stork. Right. Yeah, yeah. And, it, and he played that character in the game. Did he play Shaggy? He totally there's, did. It's funny, too, because there's a kind of a Scooby Buffy Monster of the Week already does something like that, but you can get different flavors of the game easily by, you know, the different playbooks are slightly hacking the we rules should up. We should run a Powered by the Apocalypse, super gritty, Gilligan's Island-themed one. Mike, that oh, would be I rad. Am, I am fucking I have sick. notes for a game that's based on Gilligan's, Gilligan's Island. Island. And it it's is like Gilligan's last, Island in space. Last one, one to survive. Right. Well, Gilligan would have to be an NPC because everyone's going to kill him first. Yeah. No, he's the first one whose bones they find. <laughs> and immediately they expect the skipper because the food supplies are running low on the island. <laughs> and he's still fat. And he's still right. fat. <laughs> Fuck yeah. Dude. What was it? I, I was reminded of, remember... Uh, I don't know if you were in that game. I were in a fantasy GURPS game years and years and years ago. Chris was in it. Chris Chris Paul. Yeah. yeah. And uh, he played a character. I can't remember. He was like a prince or something. And maybe you were running it. You were running it because I was playing an overweight bard. And he had suspected that I was suspected of a crime. Or maybe I was running it, and there was an NPC. No, you were running it, and there was an NPC. Who was fat. Yes. And he's like, him? He couldn't do it. He's too fat. Yes. <laughs> because fat people were jolly in his in his. I think sort of that, that was the game where I was running the um, kind of like a war priest would be the closest thing to it. He was a, he was a man of God. Right. right? And, he had a, and he had a mace. And I, I took two completely contradictory uh, disadvantages, because it was mm -hmm. in GURPS. One was overconfident. The other was, um, uh, it's like, whatever, it was like combat fear or something. And it's not that you're a coward, it's just that you lock up in <laughs> you combat. Lock up in combat, yeah. Right? That's pretty cool. I can't remember what that, what that disadvantage yeah. is called. There was one, yeah, I can't remember right? what it was called. And so, combat would, paralysis. Combat yeah, paralysis. combat paralysis. Yeah. Yeah. So I had overconfident and combat paralysis. So every comedy, like, oh, I've got this, and I jump in and then have to roll, and commonly would then just stand there frozen. Right. <laughs> like in the middle of everybody. Yeah, it was great. It was fantastic. Super. I, re I do remember that. Yeah, Chris, yeah, Chris Security. He couldn't do it. He's too fat. He's too fat. Uh, anyway. Um, was I, it one of those ooh. games where you play yourself? You might write up your own no, character? No. No? No? We did I, those, but not that We, we did those. Though. GURPS is a great system to do it in. Yep. Yeah. Um, if you want to be depressed. <laughs> dude, no, your IQ is not a lot. Oh, yeah, because you have to write your characters up with all your friends oh, yeah. that are also in the game. And exactly. you at the table so you can argue about whether you're a nine or an eight. Yeah. Right. <laughs> in every stat. I'm a negative point character. <laughs> I, honestly, I think most people probably would wind up being negative points. At least I'm not making it up in advantages or skills. 
Because <laughs> <laughs> exactly. you know what though, it does make you pretty much have to fucking re-examine your life after you do that. A little totally. totally. Yeah. You sit down, yeah. you're like, I have no stats, right. no skills, I'm no advantages. <laughs> what the hell? My God, I'm not even a good NPC. Fuck. Like, <laughs> what the fuck am I gonna do? Um, then you drink. Then you then you start drinking. <laughs> then you drink so you played lot. all tons I, of uh, I did. apocalypse. When a uh, fantastic games. Monster Hearts game. Uh, uh, if you know St. Turnians from the the UK, a uh, sort of all-girls school, Wildwood Academy, Monster Hearts game. That was a lot of fun. And then a uh, playtest of a game um, that I'm hoping will come out at some point called uh, Tears and Kisses in the Rain, a cyberpunk fable. If you've ever seen Streets of Fire, mm-hmm. uh, there's a move called Open Your Heart to Rock and Roll. So nice. It is, uh, yeah, no, I love this game. Uh, can't wait to play more. I played Mouse Guard for the first time. How was that? How was that? Yeah. I really liked it. And one of my early, early gaming experiences uh, was going to the con uh, because of this podcast. And I wanted to sign up for different games. I was kind of scared, but I signed up for Burning Wheel. Mm-hmm. And it, mm-hmm. it, it kind of must have uh, implanted some hippie hippie game genes in my brain or something, indie games. But uh, I am kind of digging that. Uh, I like Mouse Guard. So I played Torch uh, Torchbearer also, which is, yeah. some, mm-hmm. you know. Um, but I really liked Mouse Guard. Uh, it was a lot of fun. I love that world and that setting and the yeah. stories. And it's really cool. Yeah. There are some things about the. Do they, do they use the combat system where you write out yes. like three moves ahead? Yeah, and that <clears throat> I've always is liked that that idea. <clears throat> shit, though, man, I got to play that some more because I was just like the. I played with a couple of people who are very good, uh, and then a couple of us were very were noobs. Uh, so it was just like kind of keeping track of the. Well, are we going to attack or defend first, or do we faint, or do we? Right. You know, and then there's there's RP and story that go with that. You're not just playing a card game at that point. Going, right. I attack you. What did you? You know, what does your card say? Right. Um, my understanding yeah, is cool. My understanding is that Mouse Guard is um, like a lightweight version of Burning Wheel. I would say that's true, and that's second edition now. Just came out last fall, mm-hmm. um, so the rule set is tweaked. Um, even though I was, like I said, uh, being run, uh, the game was run by somebody who is an expert. And there was also the guy who ran my first, my burning wheel game, uh, was one of the players. And they said the rule set is definitely tweaked. So I think mm-hmm. it's, uh, mm-hmm. maybe a little more accessible. Yeah. 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 So, but I, I like the character sheets. I like how the characters are set up. Torchbearer is very similar. Mm-hmm. Um, that was a lot of fun. <clears throat> uh, play tested, uh, Jibs. Bad Streets mm-hmm. hack that he's working on. That was a lot of fun, too. Uh, definitely, you know, gave him some feedback. I know he's going back and, uh, you know, working on, uh, like, some redos there. But there were a lot of fun playbooks. Um, I think in our game he had, we got to play, uh, we had a rebel and a straight arrow and then a veteran <clears throat> and a rookie. So you definitely had some foil mm. action mm-hmm. going mm-hmm. on there, and you you could get that vibe, that kind of Starsky and Hutch or old school Rockford Files or uh, right. that vibe. So that was a lot of fun, cool. too. Yeah. It's a great setting. Speaking yeah. of playtesting systems, Stu, you had a what sounded like an incredibly successful Moment of Truth session. Uh, it went very well. Uh, I took <clears> – I <throat> originally designed the game to be really gritty, and that changed – when we ran whatever that thing was, that sort of Mission Impossible kind yeah, of yeah. game, um, changed the target number, 
That's when the damage changed. Right, because the damage was not working. Right, and now it works yeah. fantastically. Um, and it, it makes... It does pulp really well. Um, I had... I, I ran, basically ran the same characters from Big Blue Monkeys from Outer Space. Oh, cool. Big Blue Monkeys from right. Outer Space. <laughs> this is the third time I've run it. And it's a good formula, I think, for a con game. Because <clears throat> it's the crew of a ship, and three of them are Americans, and three of them are British. They're allies, but they're also rivals. And the captains, mm-hmm. specifically cool. on their character sheet, yeah. says that the other guy is your rival. And they're yeah. both captains, but it's one guy's ship, right? Okay. So there's already sort of like a little bit of animosity between them. And they have a mission that they have to complete, and they have to complete it together. And things fell into line in ways I could not even anticipate. Really? They're constantly looking for a way to screw each other, get away from the other guys, get an advantage on the other guys, all the time. So one of the British players... That's awesome. Bruce, Bruce's character, happens... The, the room... They have to go to this observatory to find out where this planet is, right? And they go to the observatory... Everything's been cleared out. All of the log books, everything's gone. Because either the Germans or the Russians showed up in their dirigible, grabbed the two astronomers, mm-hmm. grabbed all the all the stuff written down and left. But the telescope is pointed at the new planet that they're supposed to find. And no one knows the, the coordinates to it. <clears throat> so Bruce's character is like, oh, there's a telescope here? He writes down a note. I'm going to look in the telescope. What's in it? Like, there's a big, dark, black planet. Oh, I want to write down the coordinates. I'm like, okay, no problem. So he's got the coordinates, and he hasn't said shit to anyone else in the in the party. So then he's passing notes to the re- rest of his compatriots on the British side, and they're passing notes to me, and they're passing notes to each other, uh-huh. and they're whispering to each other, because I set the British on one side and the Americans on the other, right? <clears throat> so me- while all this is happening, one of the American people, the sharpshooter, is on is staying back with her with her sniper rifle and, and it's like yeah there's not gonna there's no, nothing really going on i'm gonna go onto the british ship and i'm gonna to find something nice and shiny out of their steam engine and take it <laughs> so Uh-oh. now the, the british ship doesn't work the americans don't have the coordinates so they both try to uh, right. Yeah, I couldn't plan it better. I couldn't have planned it better. How many players did you have? Six. I was, it was three and three because you've mostly done Moment of Truth with at con with, with four. four. Right. Yeah, that sounds great. The though. reason I did it with six is because I I've used these yeah. character archetypes before, and it's always worked very well to have that sort of tension between them. Um, they they have the same mission, and there's other gu- people they hate more. It's like, well, we're gonna beat up on each other unless you know we see some Germans out there. Then you know <laughs> we're gonna go after the, you know, the, the, the oh, not not they're not Nazis anymore. These space crowds. Now yeah, space, space crowds. <laughs> now it's the, the, it's the, <clears throat> the the old German Empire. It's the mm. you know Kaiser. Like, mm-hmm. the, yeah, yeah, yeah it's the Kaiser guys. So I wasn't around when you started running this franchise. Why Big Blue Monkeys? That was the f- name of the first adventure, and I just came up with it. And so it's just random, like big monkeys, big, like image minis of giant apes, blue. Were there big blue big... monkeys from outer space? Right. Were there big blue monkeys in the game at all? Or in the first one, yes. Okay, I'm okay. trying to come up with another name for the setting 
because the setting like the setting drives bruce batty because bruce is a scientist and <laughs> and and he, he's like well yeah and you're flying through outer space on big uh, air indir- powered dirigibles, dirigibles yeah right. well, what happens if you fall overboard you fall down <laughs> Which way is down? That way, just that like way. it is on Earth. <laughs> so what, what what year equivalent would it be? Um, I would put say? it probably in like 1905 That's or something what I was like say, that. Is this Maybe. Flash Gordon pre, is only even pre World War One, right? So okay. what, what about like Victropia? Oh, that could yeah. There you go. So uh, it's yeah. kind of like you know Victorian, but, it, but mm-hmm. not and something odd like that. I think so. That's cute. Except I don't. I, I I really want Teddy Roosevelt to be the president of the United States, and he's later. Right. So whatever. I mean, it's your alternate. History. Yeah. So something happened to Wilson. But when, yeah. oh, when did when when is uh, King George? King George is after Victoria. But is that what true? year? Is Queen George? No. No, George is before. I don't remember. Well, because Victoria Edward, right? Yes. Yeah, George. So George is pre- predates. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, George does predate. So maybe it's going to be in the eighteen somethings. So maybe Teddy Roosevelt would be like an NPC because I think he was like a he could be a kid colonel to or just something. make him. Oh, the he president. was in the military. I think. Then. Make him the president. Oh, like doesn't a, matter. He's like maybe maybe he runs <laughs> the program for. Oh, there you go. You know, like yeah, I can run the program. I can run the program. <laughs> <laughs> But the the game went very well. There was a lot of tension, and then it got really bloody at the end. They were act- they were actually shooting at each other, the really? English and the stabbing Brits? each other. Yeah, or the Americans and the, the Brits Americans and the Brits. Because it, it got to the point where all of the enemies were gone, and the whole thing was whoever plants their flag on the planet first, those are the people that claim the planet. <laughs> they get to, they get to name it, and they get to decide who gets the best parts, and then the other side gets. The, so they were just shiving each other and. Yes. Wow. Yeah, you were, you were having bloody. a glorious time. I was. I love that kind of stuff. <laughs> but, but And it, they were doing it the whole time. But it was really <laughs> subtle until all other obstacles have cleared away. And then weapons are out. <laughs> and I the, the, the weapon combat worked very well. The, 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 the sort of beamer, laser beamer, electro beamer weapons yeah. that they were using yeah. don't do any... Um, what's called serious damage. They only do minor damage, which is very easy to heal. Okay. Uh, people were getting knocked out left and right. And they, they can go up and take a medical check or just let, have them get a good night's rest. And all of the, all of the minor damage basically will mm-hmm. go away. Okay. Major damage, you actually have to heal. That's cool. <clears throat> but the swords, that those could do major damage. Um the sniper rifle could do major damage, but most of the weapons only did the sort of stun damage. It's kind of a hero-ish. Yeah. It's not yeah. exactly hero, okay. but it's hero-ish. Right, not exactly stun damage. body, but the, right. I like the serious minor, because you're saying the, that minor damage could get over pretty quickly, but serious is like hardcore. It is. It's, it's yeah. like serious. Yeah. And the, the, way, the way it works now is when you take a serious wound, you take a serious and a minor at the same time. So you still take two points of off oh. your off your hit points. Okay. But one of them will heal quickly, the other one takes a long time. And you don't want serious damage because that okay. will keep you and, and it affects you. I mean, the more you take, the less effective your character becomes. So. Mm-hmm. But I'm I'm very happy with the way the gameplay went. I'm very happy with the way damage worked. It no one was afraid fantastic. to get into a fight. Yeah. Because you can always dust well, yourself off and wake up. It was the, the type of game morning. you wanted to run because yes. it wasn't gritty modern day. Right. 
you're, yeah, no, it sounds like and I fit it perfectly. And that you can dial that in with the stats for the weapons. Yeah. I mean, if you take a, the actual sniper rifle, rifle that I put in the game rules, mm -hmm. if they were using that sniper rifle, heads would have been blowing up. I mean, <laughs> I mean it, it, because you, you have a target and, you hit, and it's a lot of dice. It's like, and the sniper rifle was doing like 14 dice damage and everything above a two or a three was minor damage and a six was major in the game but in the book like the grittier sniper rifle it's like two or higher is minor and three or higher is serious okay so you're gonna get about what about 60 yeah. per, 60 percent mm -hmm. of your dice 66 percent of your dice mm -hmm. are going to be doing serious damage <laughs> well the thing and that, you're rolling 14 the thing them. that sounds nice about the way you've you've changed that is that you can easily in the rule book say if you want to skew this more towards yeah. pulp yeah cinematic right. do this to the numbers if you want to be right. grittier do this to the number mm -hmm. and yeah it's super tunable and just let people do it and it's the, the same thing with the uh the target number mm -hmm. the target number for success by default is two in this game it was one Mm -hmm. So okay. people were able to <clears throat> succeed more often in the stuff they were doing, which in turn caused them to try more daring things where I would say, okay, that's going to cost you one extra success. You yeah. have to do two successes now to do that rather than one. And the math was such that the characters were built so they could still succeed at that stuff and were willing to try it. Well, then that just made it more pulpy. Like yeah. he yeah, said, yeah, yeah. really good for pulp. So yeah. do you like it better pulpy than gritty? I think so. I think I do. Like your orange juice? Uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I need. I like to. I like to drink my orange juice and then have to floss. Sure. That's what <laughs> I, I got to. Uh, I got to finally play Tunnels and Trolls. Deluxe mm -hmm. Tunnels and Trolls. Oh, oh you ran it, right? I, I ran it. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Did you the, win? I, I won, and it how was many, deluxe. How many characters did you kill? Uh, I didn't kill any characters. They actually cleaned my clock. Um, <laughs> really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, they did a really good job. I had great players. Uh, the scenario. I wrote a full like self review on the forums. The scenario was great. The NPCs were great. The PCs were great. I don't think I would run the system again though. It's interesting. It turns out to be a lot more math heavy than it reads. Really? Yeah. So the way that it works for combat, for instance, everybody has a number of six sided dice that they roll, mm -hmm. which is their weapon plus any, they call them personal or combat adds. Everybody adds that up, right? And some of them, because yeah. of magic, some of them were like rolling like 12d6. So they have to add up 12d6. Then they add in their adds. Then all of the PCs add that together to come up with a... Good. Am I peeking? <laughs> Sorry. Good. Plosives. Sylibans. Plosives. Then all, of, then all of that gets added up, right? And then I do the same for all the NPCs. Oh. So I roll all of the D6s plus all of the adds for all of the NPCs and add all of that up and compare the two totals. Whichever side is higher, they won. And the difference, so you have to now subtract these two big numbers, gets applied as damage to the losing side. And when you read <coughs> it, it's like, wow, this is really smooth oh, and sure. easy. Yeah. But when you're sitting there and you've got six people who are all rolling multiple D6s and everyone's adding it up, there's this, this big... Pause where everyone's like, uh, 9, 25, carry the 2, plus 9, <laughs> divided by pi, you know, and it, yeah. it, 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 it was a little bit clunkier than I it's thought. It's all these 6s? Do what hero players do. <clears throat> Count 10s. Yeah. It's a lot of them. Yeah. <laughs> or get, have an abacus. Uh, yeah, get an abacus. Tim is not <laughs> forsaking tunnels and trolls. It's just not as... 
And someone asked, how dirty was your clock that it needed cleaning? Oh, it was so dirty. I had a filthy <laughs> little clock. You <laughs> dirty bitch. <laughs> My clock was a dirty little bitch. <laughs> Did the players have fun? Uh, I believe so, yeah. We had, um, who was in it? We had Dave Hoover and Kurt, Hannah, and Anna, and um, this awesome, like, 18-year-old kid who was just super sarcastic and funny. Awesome. And uh, we all had a really good time. Good. Um, it's just, I, I, I'm not as fond of the system as I thought I would be in that setting. Ah. You know, I had <laughs> Bob in my um, Moment of Truth game. Is his name Bob? Which who? I think I think that's his name. He's a listener. He shows up. He's been in a couple of my games. Robert? Robert, yeah. Yeah, he, I mean, Bob, yeah. He picks up the character sheet. Okay, I am this person now. And he just completely, and then he takes the character and says, I'm going to make something weird about this guy that's not on the sheet. That's cool. He And he he becomes that guy, and then he makes that character his own who, who at is the that same now? time. I, is his I name think, Robert? I think it was, Ro- are you talking yeah. about Robert Quintero? Or? I don't know his last name. What Am does I, he look like? He was his son. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Because his son was in the game, too. If it's yeah. him, I got to play with his son, and I it was just, a, it was amazing. His son and his so son's fun. friend were in, in the game as game. well. Yeah, yeah, he, he played yeah. in my Swords and Wizardry game like two cons ago, and he's, he's awesome. Yeah. yeah. That guy's rad. No, he, absolutely, he, and I love his kid. When <clears> I ran <throat> the retiree mystery thing yeah, two, yeah. three cons ago, whenever yeah. that was. in Moment of Truth, right? Yeah. Yeah. He played like the guy with the uh, with the motorhome, and it just, <laughs> he decided it for at whatever point, you know what? My guy thinks he's a ladies' man. So and he, every time he met a woman, he would start hitting on her. It was hysterical. <laughs> Wait, what was that? He had an awesome. amazing line too. Is there anything to do in this town besides you? Yeah, <laughs> so, good. so good. Or is there is there anything interesting to do in this town besides you? Something like that. I don't remember exactly how. It was, <laughs> it was amazing. Um, yeah, no, I, he's great. I had uh, I I did my Pathfinder Society experiment. Right. Uh, I would encourage people to just go back and listen to the live right right, yeah. right stream because I think I did a. Uh, Stu and I talked afterwards, and he seemed to agree it was a good, concise, proper explanation of that. Excellent. And funny. And, and, so, and fair. Yeah, and fair. Yeah, so I go back so. and listen to the, the live podcast. Uh, just that section, though, because the rest of it was shit. It but, was. No, <laughs> it was actually good. I think it was one of our better live shows. It was. Um, it moved. And, and then I ran Grimm, um, was my other thing that I played in. Oh, no, I played in, uh, I finally played in the Will H game. Oh, that I wanted to so play good. that. What'd you, what'd you, what'd you run? It was Traveler, yeah. and it was oh, um, the Expanse, 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 which I've right. never so read or seen that. this show. But yeah. I thought he did a great job because it didn't matter. I didn't. I didn't have to do anything but that's, the. That's yeah, always no, the best. Is, the franchise to enjoy fantastic. it. Um, but yeah, he's great. Uh, but I, I really, um, I really got to see what will can do at a gaming table when after the podcast we went and played our fiasco game that we always play at midnight uh-huh. holy shit he played he started and he decided his character was a southern preacher mm-hmm. uh-huh. oh my god he was amazing <laughs> oh really we have to do these things because we're warriors of jesus <laughs> right and and his connections was that i was his 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 tax accountant and our relationship was tax fraud <laughs> and, and Bruce was on his other side and Bruce was Bruce was the Breaking Bad style meth manufacturer 
and he was a distributor. So I was helping him hide the drug money he was running through the church. It was um, oh. fucking amazing. Will was amazing. Rad. What was your place at? Um, uh, uh, community. Oh, okay, cool. We we kind of we we kind of moved it. It it just by Will starting it, it immediately moved to the south somewhere. And we all just adopted southern accents. Because <laughs> it's kind of supposed to be more like, it seems like Corona or somewhere. I, yeah, but it's we were like, fuck that. Corona. That's uh, awesome. Yeah, it was good. It was that's really good. almost the South. Yeah, that's close. It's South Inland Empire. South Inland Empire. But And, and I ran Grimm, and that was, was the fifth game I've run there. It was uh, The players were fantastic. Mm-hmm. I, I always feel like I, get, I luck out because people come in, and, um, and they're like all, oh, yeah, I'm eight. I'm an eight-year-old. Right, you know, and it's amazing yeah. how funny like farts and things oh, like yeah. that are, you know, and and just the idea of one of them use their imagination to create a copier in basically King Arthur's King Arthur's court, and they wanted because they were going to photocopy. They were like, oh, if we can get Arthur, who was one of the kids, if we can get him his powers to start working again, anything he draws comes to life. Mm-hmm. So if we could make a copier, then we could just have an army. He could just draw one thing, and then we'll make copies of it. Oh, my God. <laughs> right? Brilliant. Brilliant idea. Because the other girl, which was, I have never had her in one of my games, and the girl who played Alicia, who's the other dreamer, um, uh, was fantastic. And so, because they were really focused on what all of them at the table decided they wanted to make, which was big, giant, uh, robot monkey of uh, fire breathing monkey robots mm-hmm. robot monkeys fire breathing we're sorry <laughs> robot monkeys that breathe fire that was it robot monkeys that breathe fire <laughs> robot monkeys that breathe fire so that's all the copier would make right um and as they were all arguing about like oh well who should draw it should we all try it should arthur draw it alicia maybe you could draw it but she'd used all her imagination to make this weird pink magic copier appear right. um one of the other players um decided that uh, she was playing Sam, who's the jock, this guy, the jock, was going to go and photocopy his butt. <laughs> so while they're arguing, like, jumps up on the copier, photos it, and so a, a picture comes out because all it will actually produce is robot monkeys. It was a butt-faced robot monkey that breathed fire. Oh, and man. then they were like, oh, oh my God, that's wait, even better. Wait, it breathed fire from its butt. Yeah, from, from its, its butt right. face. Yeah, from, from its, its butt, butt face. face. Yeah, and awesome. so it was, I mean, that was, you know, four hours of that. It was amazing, so... Um, and I thought it was actually really interesting because at the end I did I always try to do a little synopsis at the end with the players mm-hmm. and acknowledge kind of what they've all contributed in in character and world. And so Merlin sent them home, so he was saying things like, you know, um, you know, Alicia, your gift is dreaming. Never give up your dreams. And like Aww. I'm doing, like, you know, like this whole thing, and I'm the whole thing. And as he's finishing, the girl who's playing Alicia gets she has she puts a super sad look on her face. She's like, oh. I know what you're really saying. And I was like, what? And she's like, we don't ever get to come back. And I was like, wow, actually, in like the story arc, they probably never would. And, right. like, all, and I was like, oh, you know, well, and I, and I said something Aww. that neither confirmed or denied that. And then I got done and I was like, and after we finished, I told the place like, oh, wow, I might, I might not run Grimm again at the cons. And they were all, no, no, you have to run Grimm. Cause it's such a fun system. Right. But it they're, was really weird. They're kids. Yeah. I mean, oh, the kids' kids. Same characters. Or I want to do your thing. Change the, your change. idea. Oh, have them be oh. adults and uh, run it Adults and run it in GURPS. Yeah. Yeah. back. Oh. It's super fucking deadly. Yeah, yeah, I like that. That's good. <laughs> yeah, that the Grim awesome. universe is not cool for adults. No. Is that a Grim thing? That well, you, at the end, you kind of recap everything? No, I just that's do a, that. That's a really good I idea. I just do that because I like, uh, it makes me think as I'm, 
because I know I want to do it, right? One, I think it acknowledges the players yeah. that have done in this session. And two, because I, in my mind, I'm going to do that, I have to keep an eye out to make sure everybody gets a moment right. where I can use yeah, the key to awesome. recap. Um, or at least Shit. note what they've been doing. So that works out. And it works out really well in that game. Because there's usually some yeah. way they have to get sent home. And it's usually someone who's Deus an, an adult. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> so. That's fantastic. Uh, before I start the emails, uh, you can email us at happyjacksrpg at gmail.com if you'd like to send us a question or a comment or a story or a horror story or a GM confession or all of the various other things that we like to read on the air. No dick pics, though. No dick pics. Facsimiles no. of your butts are accepted. That's right. Only if they breathe fire. Some. <laughs> uh, also, I realize I still have the Google voice number. <gasps> oh, And everything's Uh-oh. hooked up. I don't have any voicemails. People should leave us voicemail. But if you like to leave a voicemail, I have some rules for voicemail. <laughs> Feel free to leave them in Cantonese. Um, if you, uh, the, the voicemail number is 626-629-8RPG. That's 626-629-8RPG. Uh, if you want to leave a voicemail, go ahead and do it. If your voicemail spans, there's a time limit. I think it's a minute or two minutes. I'm I thought not it was sure. three minutes. Maybe it's three. I don't know. Whatever the time limit is. If you span more than one message, no, no too long. Yeah. So write down what it is you want to say and say it. And then rehearse we'll, it. We'll play them. In we'll front of the mirror a couple and, times. And maybe we'll do it the way we used to do it and play them without listening to them. That was so good. <laughs> <laughs> it's the right idea. It, it is. It really is. So that, that that's still there and it, everything's set up to be able to do it. I just have to be reminded in the chat room to open it up. And right now there's no voicemail. So if you wanted to leave one during the show, it might pop up and then I'll... And maybe we'd even listen to it now. We might listen to it in this episode. Fuck. Six two six six two nine eight RPG. I'd love to have a call in number. That should be it. They could do it right now. You know, it could. I could integrate it into my cell phone and have it forward to my cell phone, and then plug my cell phone into the system. Or you could do Skype. You get a number on Skype. Well, running Skype while running Google Plus Hangouts would be a little harsh. Really cool. Yeah. Even. You tap straight into like the CIA's hard line too, but still, it's tough here. Right. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Urgent request for pacing player advice from Liam in Australia. Liam. Dear Happy Jacks, Jackers, and Jackettes. Liam from the surface of the sun, Australia here. Oh, and it's middle of summer down there, isn't it? It is. Mm-hmm. Um, this is part. Yeah, not like here in the winter where it's 90 fucking one, oh my right? God. <laughs> Shit. Only in California, though, apparently. The rest of the country is actually having winter. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> We're having early summer. Um, <laughs> early summer, you mean never-ending summer? No, it rained. Yeah. It rained for a day and a half. Oh, that's right. Summer. That's right. We had a I day and a like, half winter. It fucking pours. And then it's 91. It's like, fuck right. you. Yeah. <laughs> Which is the worst, because it's like, now there's a bunch of humidity hanging around, oh and it's going to get hot. It's yeah. like, battle yeah. terrible between yeah. El Nino and Santa Ana wind. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we are playing Delta Green setting for Call of Cthulhu, and the players are a DEA agent, an FBI agent, and a university professor. Boom. Wow. Mic drop. Boom. Um, the players, the player of the professor has the unfortunate tendency to sit endlessly and discuss things rather than move, rather than moving forward with an action. Now, there is a place for such talk, and it does generate some good RP, but he seems to take it too far. 
He also refuses to acknowledge the group consensus and will continue to advocate for his own plan even when the other two players are agreed on a course of action. The end result of this is the pace of the game slows down too much, basically consisting of the players arguing endlessly about what to do. I'll give you an example of how I have tried to handle this in last week's session. The PCs are investigating some strange books in a small town and they come across evidence that the local sheriff and his deputy are involved, in a sinister way, with a regional megachurch. Hmm. Uh, the professor calls up the church and scores himself an invite to a local prayer group hosted by the sheriff's wife. He makes up a story about being depressed because his wife left him or whatever. Great, solid RP and a good plan. Unfortunately, this meeting isn't due to take place for several days, and the instructions the players got was that this had to be taken care of immediately. The other two players come up with an alternate plan to kidnap and torture the sheriff for information <laughs> on the morally tenuous grounds that he's, quote-unquote, probably part of the cult. <laughs> At this point, the professor puts his foot down and argues for his original plan. No shit. Um, this goes on and on and on, and I can see the other two getting frustrated. Oh, the murder hobos are getting frustrated, are they? Shocking. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right? <laughs> okay, fine. I think. I can deal with the endless delaying at least. I have one of the players notice that there is a police car pulling up to the curb outside the hotel bar where they're having this argument. Over breakfast, no action. The sheriff and his deputy get out of the car and walk across the road no action they come into the hotel foyer 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 frar i always said foyer <laughs> me too because it's french no action they started taking talking sorry they start talking to the receptionist my edea agent wisely gets to his feet and leaves the room ignoring the professor's objections the receptionist points uh, to the table where the FBI and the professor are sitting. The FBI agent gets up and walks out, urging the professor to go as well. He refuses. <laughs> so my plan to motivate the players to move to move has partially succeeded. Unfortunately, the professor declares he will stay there and look depressed. <laughs> the cops come over to him and begin to arrest him on a charge of impersonating a federal agent. I'm sure there's a backstory there. Sure. Uh, the professor claims to have nothing to worry about because he is, quote, innocent, end quote. I point out that the best he can hope for is several months in jail until his case is heard. Wow, you guys in Australia are tough. they got to let you out in 48 hours here. Wow. Dude, you had to be a fucking criminal to it move is... there in the beginning. <laughs> Hardcore. I was going to say, it was a prison colony. Was it? It's right. Australia. <laughs> uh, no, he wants to sit there and maintain his innocence. The cops handcuff him. At this point, the FBI guy obviously has second thoughts about just abandoning the professor, and the DEA guy sets off a fire suppression system to create confusion. Okay, good move. I describe the foyer erupting in chaos and stinking fire sprinkler water pours down an alarm shriek, giving the professor an opportunity to break free and make a run for it. Nothing. He is innocent <laughs> and is not resisting police. And good good detail about the ganky water inside of I was just thinking yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've never had one reeks. go off, but I've heard that it is fucking rank. Because all it does is sit there in yeah. those fucking pipes. Right. And waiting faster, to be yeah. released. Mm -hmm. For decades. Yes. 
it's like water from a bygone era. It is. This water is built in 1965. <laughs> <laughs> now, we are playing Cthulhu here. I've already cut this player more slack than I should. I decide I will just have the cops, who we have established are cultists, drive, to the, drive the professor out into the backwoods and put a bullet in the back of his head. Harsh, perhaps, but it isn't as though I hadn't given him every chance. Before this can happen, the other two players decide to try and save him from himself, and a shootout ensues. The professor fails a sanity check when one of the cops is hit and blood sprays all over him and hits a breaking point. He decides that he will run screaming from the building, still handcuffed. <laughs> and covered in blood. <laughs> covered in blood. Naturally, there's a crowd of people out there now filming him with their cell phones. He tries to break his handcuffs, but succeeded only in dislocating his shoulder, and then flees down the street. The other two players wound and subdue the sheriff and make their own getaway. My question now, my questions now are many. Should I, as a GM, GM, have played it differently? I have already asked several times, okay, so what do you want to do? And the debate went on. I have already instituted a rule that any conversations about what to do have to be in character, the goal being to cut down of out-of-character debate. I've already talked to the players outside the game, and he insists that he is just playing his character. Hmm. Should I have used a less serious threat than the cops arresting the PC? Should I just encourage my other two players to go with their own plan and ignore the professor when he insists on being obstinate? I don't want to complete, completely alienate and disempower the guy. Finally, there is a problem of next session. The internal logic of the game suggests that the other two PCs take out the professor, as he has become a huge security breach, but this will likely happen Early in next game session, do I tell the professor to roll up another character, thus tipping him off to his likely fate? Help me, Happy Jacks. You're my only hope. Liam in Australia. I think he played it wrong. As the GM, the GM, played it wrong? The, GM. the GM totally played it wrong. I think, I think so when he too. came up with the plan, <clears throat> instead of saying, "Okay, you have this plan," oh, but the meeting's not going to be until right. you right. just go there. Go. Okay, great. Yeah. That's your plan. Let's fast forward a week. Make it. If there's a time constraint, if the prayer meeting, then the prayer meeting happens before the time constraint. That's what, to me, it sounded like a couple things. Well, it sounds to me like the GM was blocking and not yes ending the play. It sounds like there was a little bit of a right answer. Right. And that, because my first question was, why does there have to be party cohesion? Like, why does there have to be consensus? Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. Um, Yeah, exactly. So it's like, was there a right answer? So... If if not, you know why not? Like Bill was saying, why not fast forward mm-hmm. to that meeting? So if there's that the other if there's and if there's too. if there's a time because there's a time constraint on on how this this stuff has to happen, so just make the prayer meeting happen before that. Yeah. Right. As, as opposed solved. to saying it's like oh it's every Sunday, just have to be like oh oh but they have a Tuesday night prayer meeting. Of yeah. course they would. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sundays sure. are for services, right? Yeah. Or whatever, sure. right? Sure. Or or alternately. If he was like, if he wanted to stick to that, because for whatever reason, story reason, world reason, whatever, and they're like, oh, we don't want to wait that long. We don't think we can. We're going to do this other thing, right? It's like, okay, well, then they're going to argue. It's like, all right, it seems like you guys are divided. Like, just jump. Like, you can jump in. Seems like you're divided. You two guys want to do this. You think it's a terrible idea, right? Are you so? Are you going to do it or not do it? Like, just force issue. They're going to do it. Like, great, let's do that. And then the professor can and like. 
hey, I guess if their plan doesn't work out, then they're your plan B, right? Or whatever. I mean, mm-hmm. but you know, I, I, it, it seemed a little, it seems a little weird. I like, I liked part of the idea of having the cop show up and trying to give them this chance, like, oh man, we should get the fuck out of here. I, I do too. To break and I up thought, the discussion. And that looked like it was going to work very well. And I don't understand why you have to assume that the other two players are going to kill this guy. Yeah. Unless if they you, flat um, out told you. It, well, well, they may have. Yeah. But yeah. the GM can can yeah. can come up with something yeah. like, oh, well, there's a reason that yeah. this professor is there. He has specific information about something. They need him. They yeah. can't just off him because he's a security risk. He may he may he may be a liability, but he's also an asset, right? So well, and that's kind of what you it can force like that me. issue too. Oh, for sure. That there's, uh, it's not necessarily even two different play styles going on here, but you one of you guys or a couple of you said murder hobos. So we got a couple yeah. of characters that are action Jackson, quick quick to draw, you know, and they're going to approach the problems like that. And then you've got somebody else who's a little more. To me, I, I've never played Delta Green, though, but, like, that's another aspect of Cthulhu is you've got these people who are, you know, the professor, who have all the smart stuff right. and are doing the investigatory stuff. So, it, you know, does he, the GM want one type of game? Is that... And that that's what's frustrating when you've got one out of three players kind of trying to play the game or their character a specific way and two people who really want the action scenes right and you know I, I i'm not that familiar with delta green i'm assuming it's the same rules set as i know as call of cthulhu i don't think it proper is. i don't think it is i'm not sure but is it, well is part of it a specific setting it's modern right, it's modern and, and, then, and i thought it was military it's, it's, i think it's, it's like military, special ops yeah, versus yeah, special ops. But it's still cultists cthulhu, right yeah right? it's, yeah, it's I mean, still cthulhu yeah but I, I mean, a lot of Call of Cthulhu players will lament the fact that they want to play a Call of Cthulhu game, and then they have other players in the game, and the moment something happens, here come the guns. Well, because, yeah, Call of Cthulhu is not dandy. No, exactly. Yeah. Well, we right. commonly, like amongst ourselves, talk about the fact that if you're playing Call of Cthulhu, if a gun comes out, you just lost. You lost. Right. You're screwed. Yeah. If Unless you're fighting cultists. Sure. Well, I guess. Well, I mean, yeah. If you're if you're actually at some point, I don't know why I need to clean that up now. But um, <laughs> I was like, oh, there's somebody on my foot. <laughs> but I mean, you're playing. You're like I don't know about Delta Green, but but Call of Cthulhu. I would not expect shootouts to happen, except no, at the very climax of the thing, yeah. maybe. And if you're actually having a shootout. It's probably right. already. Well, too I can late. see what Tim's saying. Like, if it's with cultists and it's like there's sure. yeah. lower level things, right? That's happening. The thing that the thing that struck me was it seems like there's a lot of arguing between the the murder hobos and the thespian. I'm just going to put right. them in those two camps, right? Because yeah. he says, I've already instituted a rule that any conversations about what to do have to be in character. The goal being to cut down on out-of-character debate. I'm kind of shocked that like, it turned into that. Right, that, right. It's, that they sit there and they're, it's not just, here's the DEA agent's idea, here's the FBI agent's idea, here's the professor's idea. They discuss it in character and then something happens. That they're arguing about it outside of the realm of their characters about the merits, my guess, is the merits of the idea or the concept or what it's going to mean and all that. And you're like, you know, that's great. 
because I know if I was on the the DEA or FBI side and in character, we had an argument for a few minutes about it, and it didn't. And, we, and he's like, "No, no, no, I'm not gonna do it." I'd be like, "All right, fine, we'll play it your way." And then I would grab the other guy and be like, oh, okay, fuck that guy. We're going to go out and do this tonight. Right? <laughs> right? <laughs> like, yeah. Like, right. But the fact that they yeah. have to continue to argue about it, there's something deeper there. Yeah, this is like a Picard-Kirk thing. Because you've got, like, okay, but... the talky guy and then the guy that just wants to bone everything and shoot things. Yeah, but you can't... Uh, I- I'm having trouble with something in this, and I'm not quite sure how to put words to it, but... The two law enforcement officers, the DE agent and the FBI agent, want to shoot everyone and want to go people? torture someone. <laughs> right? They want to go torture someone. The whereas the professor scenario. is saying, "Wait, wait, hold on, hold on, hold on, let's hold on. infiltrate. Let's okay, infiltrate." I, I can see the and, DEA agent do that, but the FBI; yeah. those guys are really straight laced. <laughs> right? I, yeah, I don't I, see. I don't know how to. I almost want to say that, you know. It, when you're talking about a subject like torture, and you've got two PCs who are going, yeah, dude, let's go fuck this guy, we're going to torture the shit out of him, and another <laughs> one going, wait a minute, let's think about that in a game that is supposed to be about people keeping their morality and sanity in the face of huge, monstrous alien entities, right. that, maybe, that maybe you should give that the chance to play out, because torture's kind of bad. <laughs> you know, torture's... One would think? It's not... It's not bad. I mean, it's not good. It's no, bad. So it is. I, I do find it I interesting that it seems like he's his his problem is more with the professor than the murder hobos. It is. So there's maybe yeah. a nuance here that we're missing, but but it seems like yeah. it's because it it from what I'm getting it characters aside. It's those two players against the other player mm-hmm. all the mm-hmm. time. Yes, and it's like. Okay, you know, and, and look, maybe that's one of the things you could also introduce into it. If you've already had to make rules about what the conversations are, to be like, look, you know, I want you guys to RP and but, you know, this seems to be a challenge, and I understand you're playing your characters and everything, but at the end of some predetermined amount of time, you're going to tell me what you're going to be doing. Right. Whether you're all doing the same thing or you're or doing, doing different, different stuff. Yeah, and whether absolutely. it's one of you doing it or two of you doing it, I'm happy to split the party. Right, right. And, and, and you know. only got three players, so that's not a big, big deal. Right, which is, but which, if you think about it, though, is kind of crazy. Three players, and you have to be splitting the party. What sounds like a lot. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah. Man. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. But I, I, I think the pro- the root of the, the from what he described, the root of the problem started because he kind of blocked the player who got the success for a role, got an in, so he could go to the prayer yep, meeting yep, or whatever yep, it yep. was, I and know. then oh no, that's not going to be for another week. I know. And, and that's he, where the problem started because I, yeah. and I would be pissed off too if I made yeah. my successful role, came up with the plan, everything when it was supposed to, but it wasn't good enough. And again, yeah. he's blocking it for yeah, let's go fuck these guys up and torture them. <laughs> well, but he's—that's not why he's blocking it. <laughs> no, that's what the other guys wanted to that, do. That, right? That, that's what they came up with. Right. So when they found days, out, they, what, and the instructions right, are that right. he has to be taken care of immediately. Right. So the guys are like, "Oh, okay, okay, but that's not going to be fast enough." Right. But that's the thing. If the guy makes the role, that's where, as the GM, Liam, you need to jump in and then and then use uh, what I now think of as the Happy Jacks because we're just taking it, you know, as a as a group, mm-hmm. uh, dramatically appropriate amount of time. 
Right. Which mm-hmm. is yeah. two days. Yep. <laughs> right? That's, that's, two that was, days. That was Dave's thing. Was it? Two days. Right. Because everything, okay, two days, great. That gives you just enough time to do something if you need to do it. Any prep you need Any to prep, do. Any prep, but right. it's imminent. Right. Well, in all, in all fairness to Liam, too, like we don't know the tone of the particular game he's trying to run, um, but still, it, it seems like there's got to be room for uh, other approaches based on your character. Yeah. So, yeah. playing your character is kind of legit. And I, I think, think so. And I think the to add, first question you said, you know, uh, should I have GM and put it differently? We're talking about how you could have done it differently. Uh, I had already asked several times, okay, so what do you do? And the debate went on. It seems like there's a much deeper-seated issue at this table with this group of players about just the amount of debate that is happening. Yeah. Right? And the fact that everything has to go through some massive discussion in a committee of three. Mm -hmm. And, And to answer his question about should he have used a less serious threat than the cops arresting them, not necessarily. Like, when you're trained as a GM and you want to get the table moving and you want to get them to consensus, it is totally okay to introduce a a threat. You know, to just, you know, hey, guess what? The... You know, the fuse on the bomb is like this short now. It's the so what are you some do? guy bursts in with a gun. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Right. I, actually, I actually really liked that. I especially liked that. I did threat. too. Yeah. Especially if you know that the cops are cultists. Yeah. If you know I, that they're I, the I, yeah. I don't the have bad any guy, problem yeah. with them take with him taking them out to to and go and shoot him in the back of the head. No. The players stepped Absolutely. up and says, Oh, we gotta rescue him. A- Everyone is yeah. on the same page at that Absolutely. point. Absolutely. Let the rescue happen. Absolutely. And honestly, as a player, especially somebody who's going to stand by the, I'm playing my character, I think this person I would hope is committed to their decision to, so if they get, you know, gacked in the back of the head, that's what's going to happen. Right. Right. Now, I'd be really interested to know if that player would have then lost their shit. True. Right. Because when he's there and he's like, look. They set up the fire suppression system, foyers and chaos, right? Here's your chance. And the guys will go, no, I'm innocent. I'm not going to resist the police. I'm going to stand here. Okay, well, I, it's one of those things that you, sometimes you can only give a player so many yeah. chances. Yeah. And, but if they are committed to what their character would do, are they okay with the results? Like we talked about in the Eldemy game, right? It was like, look, if Drang comes back... There could be bad shit that happens. Mm-hmm. And I talked with Bruce about it, and I said, are you going to be okay? Because if you do this, I'm going to do that, and that is very likely to result in your character's death. And, <laughs> right. Bruce was like, oh. and Bruce was like, oh, fuck yeah, that sounds awesome. Right. Bruce was like, yeah, that'd be great. If like, It would totally make sense in the story. Mm-hmm. So if that player, like Gina said, is committed, like, no, that's what my character would do. That's the thing, right? He kind of has to be okay with that. Now, if if he thinks the players are going to take out the professor, mm-hmm. okay. I call bullshit on that. Unless, uh, yeah, I, unless I think Gina said this. Unless yeah. they came to him and said, "Like, oh, we're gonna fucking kill that guy." Well, no, and they they may have, but if they did, the GM needs to call bullshit on that. Why the fuck would they have saved him from the yeah. cops shooting right. him in the back yeah. of the head anyway? They would have taken care of it for him. Totally true. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Unless they re- unless well. Uh, the only reason I, I, I might disagree is they're like, okay, we're going to get him out of here, 
and then he doesn't run, and then he runs into the street handcuffed bloody, like the chain of events, <laughs> right. then make it like, okay, well, fuck, we can't save him now. Yeah, like, we were yeah. going to save him, but now everything's yeah. gone sideways. Yeah. Right? Yeah, now, especially if they're, I, I, if they're a covert organization or something like that. Right. But, they, totally but they did, they, they did wound and subdue the sheriff. I wonder if they took the sheriff with them, mm -hmm. or what they did, who knows. But yeah, don't know how that kind of really out. But... Yeah, I agree. Like that—that that has to be a real discussion. Yeah, yeah. Right? You know what? The, the more I'm thinking about this, the more I'm thinking that this needs to be a, a big boy pants issue. Because a couple times in here, he said that the professor decided just to sit there and look depressed, and that came up a couple of times in there and looked depressed, which almost makes me think that you know what? Maybe there is a bigger out of character issue yeah, that between really... these three guys well, that here. Would, I, I took that. I took that part of it to be that he had, that was the story he his, told. Yeah, yeah. His my wife has story. died, and that's why I want to go to the thing. So I'm going to sit here and look like I'm really depressed because my wife is dead. But I agree with you that there's something happening outside yeah. this game. Yeah. Like the four of you yeah. should should go to a fine Australian pub, right? Have, have some a, have, have a pint. Yeah. Nobody nobody tipsy. there drinks Fosters. That's the whole thing. Guy, the the couple of times I've had the good fortune of being in Australia, I just ask awesome. people they're like they're like, oh no, that's the piss that we send <laughs> other countries. That's we don't, we don't drink that shit. They don't drink Fosters there. They're that's MGD. like GD. Yeah, they're like yeah, whatever the hipster beers they drink, but they they drink actually imports from Stella Trois probably. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. But go have your pints of whatever it popular. is you drink. Right. It's amazing to me. Um, I do not care for it. Stella, Stella, yeah. no, Not a Stella, and and just like I'm as candid. four people that hang out yep. and are yeah. uh, maybe friends, or, yep. you know, but at least people that Hash gave the, the same group, talk about it and say, and as the GM, lead the discussion and say, you know, I don't think we're all getting as much out of this, and this is why, and I want to just nip it in the bud. And look, maybe that means writing up new characters. Maybe that means the professor writing up a different character, and he doesn't have to get killed. He just Fucking yeah. ran off insane into maybe the night. Maybe he becomes yep. yeah. Maybe he becomes that an NPC. A for them. Huh. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and, and the, the legends go on yeah. for months about the crazy man who lives in the woods and kills people with his handcuffed hands and his bloody <laughs> shirt. Right. Yeah. yeah. Well, and I gotta say, it sounds like you're feeling <laughs> like there's some lag and some frustration at the table, but I very much enjoyed uh, hearing about the story you guys are creating. So it sounds like you've yeah. got good. RPN GMing going Yeah, there's something too. good. There's yeah. something good under the hood. Yeah, good way to put that. Absolutely. <laughs> that was cool. I've heard that in so many of the back episodes. I never knew what it was. Should I open that next bottle? Yes. I was uh, yeah, just like uh, your opinion, man. That's just like your opinion, man. <laughs> I think you're up. I'm up. Oh, good. I've got information, shorter. man. New shit has come, come to light. light. <laughs> oh, apparently, um, sequel? No, no, no. In the in the um, in the movie, remember the the porn director's house or the porn? There's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Of, yeah, yeah. With the white carpet. Yeah, yeah. That's a house up in the L.A. hills, and I heard a thing on NPR about the guy who owns the house, and like, all, it's crazy. Like it's awesome, really? and the amount of work he's done on it, and the original architect, like that's the pinnacle of that guy's architecture. He died wow. in the in the like late nineties, early two thousands. Oh, talking really? about Boogie Nights? No, no, no. no. Wait, which Boogie one? The Big Lebowski. Big Lebowski. Oh, 
when the dude comes up, gotcha. he's like, oh, wow, this is a pretty cool house, man, <laughs> right? Um, That's but, right. He drugs his drink, right? Right. Yeah. Um, but the but that house is like is a really famous architectural place and the pinnacle of that architect's work. And the guy who ended up buying it in the 70s um, has basically kind of made it part of his life to just continue to make the house even more of what it was. And in the 90s, he brought the guy, original architect in to do work on the house and come up with different things. And it has all this hidden shit that comes out of the walls. Oh, and, really? like, wow. and doors that don't have handles and they just slide and like crazy stuff. And he has... Um, and he and he's he's a he's known as um, the the world's biggest NBA fan. The guy goes to like a hundred NBA really? games a year, Holy right? Shit. Has his own fashion line, <laughs> and he's like some dude in his seventies who just got like a fuckload of cash and loves throwing parties. Like he threw like Rhiannon's birthday party there and other shit like that. <laughs> and I was just like, oh my god, how do I get in that dude's house? Because it sounds yeah. fucking amazing. Horror and Fear from Simon in London. Who would like to read Simon this? Simon from London. Hello, like douche lords of the Sith. I've been instructed to read. Okay. By Tim. Oh, no. I was just I assuming that we went in a clockwise oh, fashion. I don't care. There's either. organization to I, the reading? I know. I thought I that know, there I'm was. I know. I'm good. This one's little. I like it. Um, there's no comment about you, Simon. Sorry. <laughs> Hello, douche lords of the Sith. Was listening to the last episode with the horror stories. May I recommend looking at Mutant Chronicles, which has an interesting mechanic where players can take extra dice on rolls. This gives the GM something called a dark symmetry point, which can be used for various things, like making walls bleed, players overhear other players plotting against them, or even letting bad guys go before the players. Although it's not the direct fear mechanics, it does allow the GM to mess with the player's head, especially if you use tokens to represent the points as often uh, if players see a lot of points, they will sometimes pause. Also, the game has something called Dread. The basic system is rolled 2d20 and get under the relevant target number. However, if you roll a d20, and or I'm sorry, if you roll a 20, then a complication can happen. In its most simple case, the GM takes some dark symmetry points. At its worst, a demon can appear or your gun can malfunction and try to shoot you. However, the more fear checks you fail, the worse your dread gets. Wait, that, that's the <laughs> worst fucking crit malfunction of a gun ever. The gun tries to shoot you. What yeah, the that, fuck? That is pretty awesome. <laughs> <laughs> However, the more fear checks you fail, the worse your dread gets, which reduces the number needed for a complication. So a little fear will drop to a 19 or 20 for something bad. A lot of fear... Uh, a 16 plus will give you issues. Uh, remarkably simple, but works really well. Also, it happens to be designed by Jay Little, who designed FFG's Star Wars game, Simon from London. That's very Stormbringer esque, almost. Really? Yeah. Yeah. In Stormbringer, all the magic is you summon and bind demons into stuff. So if you want, you know, a, a ring that makes you hit harder, you summon a demon of strength into this ring and you bash it and that it's actually awesome it's actually really cool but what happens is when you try and bind a demon if you fail all of your bound demons get to test against your will again and to see if they the unbind 
Yeah. And uh, if that happens, then they can turn around and that fuck awesome. your shit up. Yeah, it's that's really awesome. fun. I like that idea of, of the... And, and it makes sense because when you... It was really funny when you were talking about the dark symmetry points and how that affects the game. I immediately thought of the destiny points. In, yeah. In, and so it's interesting. Oh, it's yeah. the same guy who designed... Yeah, like it's a, you, you get a bonus, but you give the GM something to screw with you later. With. Right. Yeah. And I and I really like that idea, that mechanic of I do something and that lets you do something, or you do something mm-hmm. and that lets me do something. That back and forth is yeah. really fascinating. And you, I mean, the, the, like the destiny point system in this as well. You could really sort of use it to sort of build where your story arc for the night is going to go, mm-hmm. and, you, and you know, come up to the. The GM hoards all this stuff, come up to the point, and then yeah. spend, 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 spend yeah. to bring the big climactic point in. Yeah, That is I really like cool, because I, I got to play Age of Rebellion at the con, too, and I remember looking at those, they're called Destiny Points? Uh-huh. Yeah, and watching, and the, every single one of them was flipped to the dark side, and I was like, oh, we're so fucked. Right. <laughs> well, it was interesting, because I... Well, I the whole, the whole th- what makes it work is the GM yeah. has to use them. Yeah. Right. right. Well, and the fact that they're on the table, mm-hmm. right? Because Bruce, I think it was, Bruce or Dave didn't use them in the second session on a roll, and I was like, hey, maybe you should use a destiny point. I think it was Dave was like, oh, no, I'm not giving Stu. Like that. Like, but that was the whole thing. I was like, I'm not, mm-mm. Right. No, I'm not pushing that much power that direction. Because I think we had two white and you had four black. Your initial roll did not start out well for you. No. Guys, yeah. And so it was like, oh, mm, let's not tempt fate. It was funny because I, I had a different, completely different implementation idea. But in the first, the first pass um, of the Star Wars Traveler's rules I wrote up, I had light side and dark side chips you could mm-hmm. get. And basically, I had a thing where you could use them as bennies, but depending on what kind you had, let you do different stuff. Right. Right. But I, and I got rid of it because it's like, nah, I don't really want to need to throw that in there. Uh, but I love that idea of that. And I liked also the mechanic they're talking about of as more fear happens, it lowers this complication number. Mm-hmm. Right. So it's like, oh, wow, that, that sliding scale of where something can happen is super interesting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Which reminds me of the obligation system. It does. In Edge of yeah. Empire. So it's easy to see how Jay is taking really good ideas and warp them. So nice job, Jay Little. I know. I'd li- I yeah, don't, I- wouldn't mind interviewing that guy. Uh, good games and kick- Goodman Games and Kickstarter from Reverend jo- Dr. Johnson. Uh, okay, I guess I'll read I one. agree with Dr. Johnson. It's the gentleman that was going to give you a dressing down. He's going to give me a dressing Goodman down. Goodman Games and Kickstarter from the Reverend Dr. Johnson. <laughs> <laughs> What's happening, Jax? <laughs> I'm writing to follow up uh, some statements Stu made during a recent podcast. He's made pretty clear that he doesn't like it when publishers use crowdfunding to finance projects. Mm-hmm. Fine. Okay. <laughs> well, that's just like his opinion, man. Wait, where is it? Wait, damn it. You know, that's just like uh, your opinion, man. But he then started spouting some bullshit. Bullshit, I say, (laughs) about Goodman Games. That aggression shall not stand. I work for Goodman from time to time, and I know a good deal about and have backed many of their Kickstarter projects. I have also interviewed Joe Goodman about them, and so, unlike some people, I have a pretty good idea about what they're for, how Goodman runs them, and all that jazz. Well, here's my take on it. 
Despite the fact that they're relatively successful, Goodman Games isn't what I'd call a big publisher. No. Joe Goodman has a day job. All of us do. Their bread and butter is the Dungeon Crawl Classics RPG and the adventures that support that rule set. At some point, though, Joe was convinced to use Kickstarter to extend what was possible for Goodman Games to publish. Here's what Kickstarter makes possible that would otherwise not happen approaching their publishing efforts. What? Man, this is like a fucking organized email. One, publication of otherwise unfeasible product types, e.g. different covers and price points for special editions of the rule books in their recent fourth printing of the rules, adventures that could become box sets with expanded content. I think it was Kimmy who figured it out. When you contract demand for a particular type of product, then you know how many to publish, and you don't lose money on warehousing publishing overages. You can publish box sets and books with regular faux leather, real leather, etc. editions for anyone who demands them. The cost is covered. No warehousing. So, it ends up working like print-on-demand or a pre-order. Easy peasy. No fuss, no muss. Mm -hmm. Two, additional expanded content. The 4th edition rules have over 100 new and additional pieces of artwork and a new starter adventure. The recent box sets, The Chained Coffin and Peril on the Purple Planet, went from being regular 32-page adventure modules to box sets with an incredible array of extras, including setting info, additional adventures, and other stuff. Those box sets are amazing! <laughs> so they have no character sheets? Keeping you down. Three, <laughs> crowdsourcing. I not. I what? was just going to say, I just want to say Peril on the Purple Planet should be a porn uh, title. Oh, uh, Peril on uh, the, the Chained Planet. Coffin shouldn't? That's like... Oh, yeah, that too. They're, they're two. One, that one is like the hardcore BDSM, <laughs> and the other one is more of like a, a fluffer piece. Yeah. 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 That's the 70s porn. That's right. Yeah, Peril exactly. on the Purple Planet. Yeah, yeah that yeah. is 70s porn. Um, crowdsourcing, not just crowdfunding. The coolest thing to me is that the Goodman Games Kickstarters don't just get rolled out. Here it is. Take it or leave it. Joe consults with his partners in crime, writers, artists, etc., about stretch goals. If they blow through those, then he usually just asks what people want to have as extras. That's how I got this bitchin' DCC RPG blacklight poster, points at wall. <laughs> the best example of this, and the one I was involved in, was the Peril on the Purple Planet box set. It promised supplements to the initial Peril on the Purple... I'm going to really close with this. <laughs> Peril on the Purple Planet adventure. I got to be a part of a group of four people who produced those, and yes, we got paid. Nice job. It also was one of the most incredible writing experiences of my life because it was a collaborative effort among four authors, myself, Daniel Bishop, Tim Callahan, and Terry Olson. And Joe pretty much just stayed the hell out of the way while we produced some of the best and weirdest writing in any Goodman product. We're all really proud of what we produced. Without Kickstarter, there would be no box set, no additional materials, and we would have to have had no opportunity to make it more awesome. Four, boutique projects. Goodman also has run Kickstarter campaigns to reprint some of the hobby's earliest game products, things long out of print. Metamorphosis Alpha, the very first sci-fi RPG, Grimtooth's Traps, all volumes collected into a single book, and some of the early Judges Guild products are a few of those. Joe Goodman is a fan of this stuff and uses Kickstarter to make out-of-print items available again. I think that's pretty cool. So, Stu, I hope that, for you, new information has come to light. <laughs> it's a bit more complicated than publishers using Kickstarter to do what they ought to do with their profits. Sometimes, Kickstarter allows publishers to do more, to do better, or, I dare say, turn that shit up to 11. <laughs> it might not be your bag, but DCC RPG has a large and growing community of fans. We love the game, but we also like the way the company approaches publication of the game and how it treats its fans. 
when a company starts with the question, what would make this more awesome, and then pursues the answer with childlike glee, a close relative of reckless abandon, so I'm sure you'll understand, <laughs> then fans and customers come out on top. It's not just the cold calculation of big game company CEO. It's also the act of a person who loves games and wants to give others a reason to love them too. Joe's a good guy and he makes cool stuff. Kickstarter is a part of what makes that possible. Anyhow, I may not have changed your mind, but I hope I've given you something to think about. Yours in Cthulhu, the Reverend Dr. Johnson. Dr. Johnson. Rebuttal? No. No. No, I... Maybe it's because they're working thinner now. I don't know. And maybe for a smaller publisher, yeah. But, like, a reprint of a book? Why isn't that coming out of the proceeds from the sales? I don't know. I, I don't I understand. Think, I, I mean, I, was I, I understand that the, you know, things are changing and there, there's 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 new, new business models, but that's kind of like one of the... So you mean well, a reprint of a book that has already come out, already been successful, already made profits, but then they're saying, oh, you need to give us money to reprint think, that book. Yeah. Think, not like the Grim Tooth Traps no, reprinting, no. which no, is... No, but I think I, I think I was the girl, I vo- the girl voice like that, that uh, actually said the thing he's talking about, but because I get that, I think. Like, if you're creating something where you're trying to kind of suss demand and you're creating a Criterion collection... Of yeah, of that RPG, um, and you want to know what you know? Old the reference, quantify. by the way. Criterion. No, <laughs> I'm a movie girl. I like my DVDs. Um, and you want to kind of suss out what your what the commitment level of your fan base is. That I mean, because how do you feel about Evil Hat then doing Kickstarters or Chaos or like Fate and More? Uh. The same thing. Same thing with those guys. It's like at some point, <clears throat> I don't know. When I think of Kickstarter, I think of startups. Mm-hmm. I think of here is an untried thing. Is this going to work? Is this commercially viable? Okay, it is. Then let's bake into our day to day business how we continue to generate what it is we need to generate to, to have sales. Do you, think, see what I'm, do you see what I'm saying? I totally see what you're saying. The, but it, 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 it has, it, it, it is killed the concept of the self-sustaining company. Well, except I think if you think about niche market for RPGs and then niche, you know, like sliver of the pie within the RPG oh, sure. market that belongs to DCC or, right. you know, Goodman Games... Then I kind of start to get that. Mm-hmm. Um, like if it was Watsy. Oh, if we, I mean, and can you imagine? Paizo, like maybe I'd go. Hmm. Thousands more people would be saying what I'm saying if yeah. Watsy went in and decided yeah. to start yeah. kickstartering their yeah. stuff. Yeah. Right? Although, so I I think I kind of get that. Like I think the first time I saw some of the, you know. But if but why why uh, let me turn around. Yeah. Why couldn't Watsy do it then? Why why would it be not, not okay for Watsy to do it? So what if what if Watsy they, they want to find out if the product is going to be commercial? Yeah. Right. What if they were like, right? we're going to try something completely fucking crazy? We have no idea if anybody's going to like yeah. this. Right? And we're going to and maybe it's they're launching yeah. a new IP or a new game mode or, you know, uh, new mechanics or a new uh, monetization yep. schema, a new setting, right? A new yeah. setting, whatever, right? Yeah. And and they're going to say, "Oh, so we're going to put it out there because 
in in that way and what i think where the fine line gets drawn is how much of kickstarter really is just pre-orders or people saying right. like, yes i want to buy that thing yeah. great we know that that we have orders for 5211 of these that is that is that's what its origins are Sure. Pre-orders, because it started out yeah. primarily for bands who didn't have enough money to print CDs. Right. Mm-hmm. We have mm-hmm. the CD. We finished it. We have the master. Mm-hmm. We maybe even have the artwork yeah. ready, but we don't have enough money to to send a check to disc makers and have the CDs printed. Yeah. So we're going to start a Kickstarter to get our $1,500 so we can print the CDs and then yeah. we'll mail them all out or right. whatever. You That's know, how it started. Was right. as well. Yeah. So let me ask you this then: what do you what do you <clears throat> think about when you have people that have um, a high level of success, either personally or well, as companies that go into Kickstarter? So uh, Tim Schafer, for example, with Double Fine Games, goes on and kickstarts a product. Tim's been in the gaming industry for a long, long time. Right. Tim has a successful company in San Francisco. They have profits, and he runs yeah. his, runs his company. But he went to Kickstarter to get funding to create a game because I don't really like that. I don't like that. Right. What but, about, yeah. But I was going to say because. Yeah. But his theory behind that is like, oh, I want to go make an old school adventure game. Mm-hmm. There is like no feasible yeah. market for this right yeah. now, oh, okay. except within the niche of people that want to do that. Now, could he have said, you know what? Fuck it. I'm going to take a risk. I'm going to put some of my company's money on the line to make that and see what happens, right? Or it's like. I want to see if there's actually a market there. Well, it's not. It, it's not just. It's not just that. But Kickstarter is, in and of itself, the part of the marketing campaign now. Sure. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Or uh, I was just thinking of like <clears throat> Veronica Mars. Mm-hmm. You know, get a mo- get your movie made. And right. It's not like those people don't have day jobs or some. But or uh, uh, I think Benji just said this too. Uh, John Wick. Just uh, seventh C, yeah. Uh, second edition, isn't it like half a million dollars now? It's high. Like it's 30, high. 30, but, th- but there again, yeah. you're talking. You're talking about one guy True. who's been like self-publishing very, very, very yeah. small titles. Yeah. True. Who's now taking on a but gargantuan product? I don't think of DCC as being huge. I think it's got no, a rabid no, sure fan base, and there's you know definitely some. And I guess, and I, but I guess that's the thing, right? Is so is your is your problem with it more when it's and you draw this line wherever you want. Big companies, big publishers, big developers, whatever they are, that seem like they should just be able to do that. But for smaller guys, smaller boutique studios, you know, less than some number of people, individuals. Well, no, it's like this. You know, it's like it's like going to your parents for money. At some point, you got to be grown up. Sure, and you got to stop going to your parents for money. <clears throat> when does that happen? <laughs> That's what I'm talking about. How many? When? Kick- when? When are you managing your profits well enough that you don't? I understand being able to gauge, being able to gauge products viability uh-huh. and stuff like this. There's other ways to do that without taking people's money in in advance. How many kickstarters Aren't have there? burned you, Stu? Two. Well, I, got- I, w- I wonder if you would see it differently if you hadn't been burned by those mm, I don't well, think per- so. but how out of how many uh, maybe 12 okay but that's not if you think about it 
it depends how you even, look at even, Kickstarter. It, uh, it is, Kickstarter. but but look, but even the way you said, where you think of it as startups, right? Oh my God, if I could go oh, bet sure. on startups and only <clears throat> fail two out of twelve times, yeah. right? I <clears throat> we'd be living in that house up on the hill where they but, fucking shot the scene from right from. But yeah. if, yeah. but if Amazon.com, you know, delivered ten out of twelve of the orders they received. But see that, but, but you're right. It right. depends on how you view Kickstarter. Yeah. But Kickstarter does not represent itself as you give me this money, you are guaranteed to get this. That's where you, as the that's, user of Kickstarter, that's in. I think you have to look at the individual companies or people. Yes. Right. But when you when you set up a Kickstarter as an organizer. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You check a box and say, I understand that I am making, this is a legal, I am legally obligated to fulfill the rewards. It is a legal agreement. Well, then, some, then there needs to be class actions for No the shit. No right. shit. Needs to but be it, but it's interesting because yeah. that's not yeah. Kickstarter saying it. No, no, no. no. <clears throat> Kickstarter is making you say it to be on their service. If you then, <coughs> as the organizer of a Kickstarter, right, say, oh, yeah, yeah, I'm totally going to do that, and then you don't. That's that. It's not that's that gray area, right? right? Where it's yeah. like Kickstarter's like Kickstarter's look. covering their ass. Right, is what they're doing. Yeah, We're like that guy is the is the one. Sure, who didn't and come and I through. and I have no doubt that the Kickstarters I've been burned on are organized by crooks, but I don't think that's why I object to it. I think I. It's it's the when are you going to stop coming to me for money? It's like my kids are little. I want daddy. Can I have a dollar to go to buy an ice cream? Sure, here's a dollar. Buy an ice cream. <laughs> when you're thirty, you know what? You should go earn your own dollars. But here's the thing. <laughs> but but on Kickstarter, I don't feel like when they're saying like I want that, they're like give me a dollar for ice cream. They're like, um, give me a dollar and then I'm going to do my chores. And maybe that's more the thing, right? <laughs> it's like because they're they're you're going right. to get something from it. Yes. They're not just like going on Kickstarter and like oh, oh no. dude, <laughs> I totally love ice cream and. Um, I, I want everybody to give me a dollar for ice cream. Once I get a thousand dollars, I will take a video of myself enjoying the ice cream. If I get five thousand dollars, <laughs> I'm going to share ice cream with some other Vine stars, and we're going to shoot five six-second ice cream videos. Like, like it's not like, and even then, like you're getting something. But you know right. what I mean? Like it, it's it's a little different than the like I'm just sitting here with my hand out. It's a quid pro quo. It absolutely is. Right. Yes. I gotta tell you, if my son came up to me and said, Hey, give me a dollar and I'll go do my chores, I'd say, God damn it, go do your chores and you're gonna get nothing for it. <laughs> <laughs> well there are some chores are paid in, in, in here there are some chores that are paid and some chores you you can do. Right. You do. Yeah. But I guess and I guess so maybe to, to try to make that fit into the discussion, what you're saying is like, look, there's some parts of your business I'm okay with if you come onto Kickstarter to try a new if idea, launch a new property line, so whatever it is. Yeah. That's great. But when it's but when it's the chores you should be doing. Right. Right? So when it's like you're coming out with the third edition of your book. Third why printing. Third printing it. of your book, right? And yes, there's some changes, right? I think the thing that was interesting is here is it, when he was saying like there's these updates and changes and printings. What you're getting through Kickstarter is like special editions and yes. box sets and things like that. Right. Okay, maybe I could, like there. I'm like, all right, I get that. I see mm-hmm. how that works. But I think where your challenge is is when somebody comes out and you're like, oh, hey, it's the third printing of our book, and we want to Kickstarter that. And you're like, would you do the money from your fucking first and second printing? <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, exactly. And well, the other I thing is yeah. special edition stuff. I just kind of think is bullshit. But that's just me. 
Right. I guess, I mean, it depends but, on how big of a fan you are of the property and, and what's in the special editions. Right. But, I, you know, myself, it's like, I don't care. I, I, I want. Do you have those cool traveler dice? That's the only thing that was worth the Kickstarter <laughs> was the fact that I got some nice large dice. Yeah. So, cool. so what do you think? I of, don't give a fuck that it has a traveler logo on them. Right. They're nice big dice. They're, they're nice. nice big dice. What do you think of Storks? I paid $100 for them. <laughs> what? What do you think of Storks Vampire Book? I want that goddamn uh, Quite honestly. Oh, Holy hell. <laughs> oh, my God. Quite honestly, <laughs> oh. I, I wouldn't care one way or the other. I, I only use the books when I'm sitting at the table. The rest of the time, if I'm reading through the rules, I'm using my iPad. Yeah. So if my iPad has a nice cover on it, I'm fine right. with that. So <laughs> so I guess here's the question is, uh, is there different different ways where it's like, look, that's great. What I want to be able to do is get my PDF copy. Because like, like Dave has gone all electronic. Yes. Oh, yeah. That's his thing now. He's right. like, oh, I just want a fucking PDF copy. I don't want to even carry books around anymore. Right. Right. Um, and it's like, great, that's available, like, super cheap. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right? But it's like, but, hey, and that is just, we're just putting that out, and that's great. We're putting that out. But for, like, the collectors, people that want the hard copies, right. the things where there's warehousing and you know shipment costs and everything, we need to, we're just not so giant, we can just sit there and go, we think five, we think 5,000 people are going to want this fucking leather-clad, badass vampire book. Sure. And then, yeah. like, eight people buy it, and you're and, like, oh, shit. And that and that part of it, to me, is like prostitution. You want to go out, and you want to pay for sex. That's between you and the person you're paying. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> that's fine. I, n- I'm not doing it. <laughs> sure. There you go. But if you want to, go ahead and do it. So if you want the leather-bound book with the gold leaf on the edge and the yeah. the black ribbon, yeah. I totally bookmark, do. I want that book. That's great. I know. Me, I don't. <laughs> I don't need it. I, I, I got, <clears throat> you know, I got a print-on-demand book because it's faster to look stuff up mm-hmm. for me mm-hmm. in yeah. a physical book. That's the only yeah. reason I have it. But right, ninety-nine percent of the vampire book that I read, I read on my iPad. Yeah, yeah, because yeah, yeah. I'm I'm either sitting on the couch or I'm reading in bed or whatever, and the book's too fucking heavy. Right. It's I mean, I think book. I think there's a real uh, moving forward, right? As as the next as the next generation of role players comes into the foray, <laughs> right? Um, or the foyer, um, it's there's a real opportunity to to put out like really good PDF versions. Yeah. Completely searchable, indexed, tap like you know, take advantage of the technology mm-hmm. that's there, and say so like, yeah, this is how we put it out, right? And yeah, you're gonna pay four ninety five for it or whatever. Oh, some of them or nine ninety five, whatever your price point expensive. is. I mean, right? you, yeah. you go go get L five R stuff. It's maybe right. eight or ten bucks cheaper than the physical book. Right. I think that I think that the challenge, and this is very unfortunate, is to find that price point where people will say. Yes, I'll buy that digitally rather than just like take it from my fucking friend. Because right. it's yeah. so easy to do that, right? Oh, yeah. Unless you're using some kind of online uh, you know, or app uh, authentication that allows you to say like no, only you can use this copy. You know, because I don't you have to be logged in. I don't even know if you can do that with PDFs when you're talking about just right. reading them. Right. Uh, it's they, almost like it would have to uh, stream the information to you from the cloud, right? It's all stored there, and you have basically a reader. It's like, well, if your reader's not authorized, you don't get the information. Right. But 
it's not it's not as convenient then you have to have a and then it has to be online or, all the yep, time yep. the the i don't know if they still do it but drive through rpg used to put your email address watermarked on the pdfs they put your yep. name now put your name yeah. okay what they should do is they should put the number for whatever credit card you use to buy it then Holy you won't hell. fucking share it oh yeah <laughs> you would never give it to anybody <laughs> put the credit card number the expiration date and the ccv Right on the bottom of every page. Who the fuck is <laughs> right. going to share their PDF? You know the thing it, wouldn't, is- <laughs> it wouldn't even be that. It wouldn't even be sharing the PDF. Someone would be like, "Hey, can I use your Kindle to look up that rule?" Fuck no, 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 right? No, yeah. by your no own. way. <laughs> I mean, it's interesting. If I mean, I, and and the thing is, it's it's always the and this is the age old problem with security. Right is whether wow, this is probably super fucking boring for people. Uh, is <laughs> is is that? convenience versus security, right? And sure. when you're speaking okay. from the, the creator standpoint or the publisher standpoint, uh, we've tried crazy shit over the years. We're going to print keys that you have to look at to play the the video the computer game on red paper because that doesn't Xerox. Yeah. Turn like, to page oh 96. Right. Um, the find the letter. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, right. I, I mean, there's like days. all that shit oh that people God. tried forever. And there's been different forms of that that have worked. Of, and now, but now it's all DRM. It's all digital rights management. Right. And unless you're going to do something like require an online connection, it's super difficult. Sure. Right. To do that, so it, it's one of the reasons you see the preponderance of free to play games when you go to the app store. Everything's fucking free because people won't even pay you a goddamn dollar for your work. No. Right. But if you really, really, really like what I've done, maybe I can get you to give me money. To play it, or play it differently, or play it faster, or, play or whatever a, it is. Yeah, right, play right. A, a, a better version or more expanded right. version. So that's or that's kind of the, that's kind of the thing. Where is there a a, pri- a premium price point you can get for publishing? Because publishing still does follow a bit more of that model. Mm-hmm. But you know, can you do that? I mean, you know, maybe it's the kind of thing. And I'll throw this out there. Maybe here's an interesting moment of truth thing. When you do that, and part of it's doing some work to have an amount of product in the back is to say um hey you get you get this as part of a subscription and every month you're going to get something new yeah right right and that's how you get the content right and there's ways you can and there's some ways you can lock stuff to readers and things like that but it's like it's such a a sticky problem and i think that's what drives people to things like kickstarter they're like you know what at least before i make it I made some money. That's you know what? Because once it's out there, fuck it. I have no idea if I'll ever see another penny, especially if it's a PDF. Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And the thing about the thing about DRM is all that all that DRM winds up being is a challenge to certain subsets of people on the internet to find a way to break the DRM anyway. So, Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. and and it invariably fucks with people who legitimately bought it. Mm-hmm. Not all of them, but some of yeah. them. Sudden, suddenly it's yeah. like, okay, why is this thing that yeah. I just legitimately bought not working? Well, I bought it so I can go on, download it off a BitTorrent site. Now I feel justified, and at least that copy will work. There was a... Gosh, I, my, my memory's fuzzy, but I'm I'm pretty certain that when RPG Now and DriveThruRPG first came on board, they were using DRM in the PDFs. That they sold? Is there such a? Can you do that? Yes, you can. And oh, like a password or something? Or? It it came with a license, which was, and I, I'm not a hundred percent certain of this, so bear with if I'm wrong. But it came with a license that was uh, 
installed into your Adobe Reader. So if you uninstalled Adobe Reader or if you got a new computer and you want to move all your files over, you had to go through all this crazy bullshit to get all your licenses oh, moved yeah, over. Oh, yeah, I remember that. Yeah, that yeah. it was horrible. I was going to say that sounds... People hated it. But now there's like a thousand and one other readers besides Adobe Reader. Yep. right. And, and, and now they probably don't support that. And now they don't even do it. Okay. Yeah, it's a, like non-DRM. Yeah, now they now they yeah. print your name on, right. yeah. on every I mean, page. Really what it comes down to, and it was interesting the way the conversation earlier about like how popular is something and what's going to be mainstream or not st- mainstream, right, mm-hmm. is it's figuring out a way to say, look, I'm going to charge an amount, whatever that is, that's low enough where I think the majority of people are going to be like, oh, yeah, I'll give that. I'll give that that company that money mm-hmm. right. for that. Fuck it, right? Or it's like, hey, here's a taste for free, mm-hmm. right? Get the rest of the rule book this way or whatever it is, right? right. And uh, um, I mean, Shane's got a really interesting model, uh, you know, with Savage Worlds, where it's like the main rule book is super fucking cheap. Oh yeah, yeah, right. You almost feel bad if you took that. You're like, it's five bucks, <laughs> right? You're like, fuck, how am I not going to give somebody five bucks for like? This big, uh, oh, man, I feel like a total dirt yeah. bag if I don't do that. And then they want to make money on, you know, all the extra content that comes mm-hmm. out. Or even look at what Wetsy did with D&D 5 when it first came out. You had your basic rules PDFs, which were free, but yeah. they were a major subset of the rules. Right. And then you had your player's handbook and DMG and stuff, which sure. were, you know, full subsets, which you actually had to buy. Mm-hmm. So if you wanted to get something for, for free, if you wanted to play... D&D, you could at least get those basic rules and you weren't doing something quote-unquote illegal. It, right. It's interesting. I mean, there might also be some kind of model around, if you had a game that was really popular, right? Like D&D, or, you know, or I'll even say Savage Worlds or something, right? Could you, to get more people in at the top of your funnel and say, look, the rules are cheap, or they're free. I just want as many people as possible. Oh, the absolute best way to make your character is to use our online character creation thing, which has yes. a like four dollar ninety five cent yeah a year license. Isn't that what right. Watsy did with D and D fourth edition? Yeah. Fourth edition, right? Yeah, that but still where you're like, man, I really, really like this game, but making characters. Right. Oh, holy shit! Yeah. Look how awesome this fucking tool is. Oh yeah, I'll give you money for that because that feels That's more like a product. And if you have to go yep. online and do it, we know you're already online, so you you know. And then. Watsy made the, the the list of feats so huge. Yeah, <laughs> it was almost oh necessary God. to use. What did the you say there was? Builder. There was like three thousand at one point or something. It was more both than that. Those I think it's versions of character generators. The one that yeah. that yeah, they were amazing. Three thousand feats. Oh, yeah, can't but they were, insane. Yeah, it was insane. I can't yeah. even. The splat them. books they came out with for fourth edition were amazing. They, in fact, they've been very restrained on. On what they've released for they have for and fifth. I wonder, yeah. Well, they have the thing now. They're yeah, going to yeah, crowdsource yeah. The it. OGL, right. yeah. Not just the OGL, but there's actually a the DMs Guild. Yeah, yeah. it's its own yeah. online store yeah. where you can make content and sell it it's on there. Really fucking smart. Yes, it is. Really fucking smart. Yeah, right. Use use user generated content, yep. and you take your slice of it. Mm-hmm. So good. But yep. if you if you notice, they haven't actually come out with splat books per se. What they've come out no. with are Zero. Yeah. settings and adventures, yep. Yep. which have a couple of rules in them. Yep. Yeah. You know, there's there's, uh, there's some you know, monsters, additional and races, yeah. and yeah. some monsters, and some other backgrounds and shit. But you don't find the like. There's no complete guide to bards for no. fifth edition. Mm-hmm. Jesus no Christ, players that handbook thing, too. Like, tap my yeah. vein. 
because I have like a shelf and a half of those books still, and I didn't uh, even have all of them for fourth. Yeah. yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. I before the con for the Pathfinder Society thing, I was like, Oh man, I gotta dig my fucking Pathfinder books out because <laughs> I bought Advanced Players Guide and right. the Core Rulebook, right? And so I went to my book, the bookshelves in the front room, and I'm like, Where are they? And I was like, Holy shit! Oh no! I'm and I'm not kidding. I must have thirty Champions books. Are you kidding? <laughs> I have. Pretty much the entire from what edition? The the last edition. That's awesome. Fifth, or maybe they were all the fourth books, and they came sixth. fifth or fifth. They were all the they're all the fifth edition. Stuff. Sixth ones are all blue and yellow, and they came with yeah. But these are like all the wow. settings and all the th- right. like. And I I mean people can't see this, but like I mean I've got this much like three feet of like three feet of fucking champions books. That's a beautiful thing, beer. And and I'm like I'll probably never use those. No, they're all probably fifth edition. Yeah. Don't get rid of them. I have a bunch of sixth. I got a ton of Gina's like, don't get rid of them. And I'm like, my house is full of shit that I'm like, I will never use that. I know. But I guess I'll never get rid of it. Right. I I have the (laughs) core fourth edition books. Player's Handbook, Mm -hmm. TMG, Monster Manual. Yeah. Never played fourth edition. Never plan on playing fourth edition. Not going to get rid of them because because, I'm a completist. Did I tell you about my third edition books? Core books for every... I do. Edition. I have the core three, at least the core three books for every edition of D and D that's come out. That's I, I I bought I'm right right at the time when I decided to st- when I stopped playing role playing games, which is in like the mid nineties. Uh-huh. I bought they, they had just come out the player's handbook, the DMG, and the monster manual for third edition, not uh-huh. three five, but yeah, third. third. I have those mm-hmm. in like huh. ninety eight, ninety nine, mm-hmm. something like that. I never even opened them. Wow. So the pages wow. aren't sticky or nothing. <laughs> nothing. You open the book. Crack, 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 crack. Does it still have the new book smell? It, they still have the new book smell. <laughs> Urgent from Thomas in Denmark. It's like I when you're going to go down on a librarian. It's to me, or who has yeah. you ever read? Uh, I haven't read yet. <laughs> Get to it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, damn. Hello, Stu and the Jacksters. This is Thomas from Denmark, longtime listener, third time writer. Insert <laughs> fanfare. <laughs> Background. I am a 41-year-old <laughs> I am a 41-year-old math teacher with a not so often used masters in journalism. I have a not so often used bachelors in journalism. Professor, Excellent. I have played RPGs since the late 80s and systems-wise been around the block. Over the last years I've been trying uh, I've been very faithful to Savage Worlds, but the relationship sometimes sours a bit. And I think about trying something new. Lately, a jaw-dropping beauty has caught my eyes, an old flame in new clothes. The wonderful and well-toned Star Wars Age of Rebellion. (laughs) I was expecting the kiss sound. I don't have that. I got this. (gasps) (laughs) I don't have the kiss anymore. The kiss is gone. No. The kiss is gone. (laughs) I have yet to try out this new system since I have grown comfortable with Savage Worlds. I wonder, will this new system give me what I desire, or will it only disappoint me? All is, of course, complicated with the fact that my loving wife, also a gamer, good on you, is very happy with Savage Worlds. But now she is having her eyes wandering in the direction of another old love, Seventh Seas, that is coming back again. Alas, 
I digress. This is not why I write. On listening to your latest episode, I realize the urgent need to write you. I have three comments and one question. Mm. Comment number one. On the origins of New Zealand, I would love to assume <laughs> that I live on Old Zealand. Or just Zealand in Danish. Zealand. 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 I, I looked it up. Zealand. <laughs> Wait, how do you say it, Gina? Uh, Zealand. That's what Zealand. that's what it sounded like Zealand. on my on my robot phone it's, from the future. It's spelled here S J A E L L A N D. It is the largest of the Danish <coughs> islands and home to the capital. However, the true explanation is probably that New Zealand is named by some Dutch sailor after the Dutch province of Zeeland. I had no fucking idea. New Zealand, Danish islands. Yeah, it's crazy. That's really banana sandwich. <coughs> Comment. Sorry. That's okay. Comment number two. I assume that some of the Swedish listeners already have written in about this, but if not, I must enlighten you. Cult with a K is an. I'm being told to pause. You're going to play. This is great radio. Maybe it won't play. Do it, do it. <laughs> oh, no, it won't play. Never hey, mind. Hey, <laughs> hey, 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 hey. I, I went and looked it up. I'll look it up on my iPad. Because I'm just curious. Dude, I want to hear let's the... Let's make a band. All right, here we go. Let's borrow a band. No, no, keep reading. Keep reading. I'll look it up while you're reading. Hey, 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 hey. Oh, I've Tim, got a, um, you're supposed to do something, Tim. <laughs> I was doing Besides a the little beatboxy thing there. I couldn't hear you. Though. Don't spit in my microphone. Oh, that was Bill keep that was reading. supposed to do a thing. Oh, uh, keep yeah. reading. Okay. Read, uh, read, don't beatbox. I know. I, I don't even know where I'm, where I'm at here. Uh, <laughs> I assume that some of the Cult Swedish Cult with a K is an old, early 80s Swedish horror <laughs> RPG that had no English edition. It's about no <laughs> too fast. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so uh, we'll get to wow. this. Wow. Cult, with a K, is an old, us. early 90s Swedish horror RPG that had an English edition. It's about normal people living in a near future where the boundaries to the nightmare mirror world are getting fragile. It's perhaps, it's perhaps best described as a Lovecraft meets the Matrix kind of thing, but without the hidden wire kung fu stuff. Cool. Lovecraft meets the Matrix sounds fucking awesome. Right? It, it does sound amazing. I was thinking doesn't the it? same thing. I actually um, played Cult with a K once many, many years ago. Uh, no comment besides that. Did you really? I did, a long time ago. Wow, you play all the games old school. Uh, yeah, shit. kind of. Yeah, I only played it once, but it was fun. Cool. I like the, the Lovecrafty kind of games. Sierland, Denmark. Sierland. There, there, that's the pronunciation. Nice. Your robot voice sounded better than mine. That was a YouTube video. Go ahead. Oh, nice. That's right. Comment number three, the long one, on how to set a gritty tone. In the old Bug Hunters RPG game, a sci-fi game about clones hunting aliens, they have very interesting GM advice. To set the tone... Kill one of the PCs in one of the very first game sessions. 
preferably as horribly as possible. So almost the same advice as you gave, but not with an NPC, but a PC. The rationale being that it is better to kill a PC before the players invest too much feeling into a character, and it will make everybody sharpen up and realize that this is some real shit. Interesting. <laughs> I love the theology behind it. Uh, it's like the second session. They're not really into their character yet. Fine, right. just kill one of them. Yeah, they didn't spend hours creating it. And then they'll realize well, it's some real well, this shit. Way, this is some serious shit. It's some serious shit here. <laughs> Fine, it's it's true though. I remember I can't remember the name of the book was, but there's a book I read where it had that kind of that uh, <coughs> kind of classic start where it's a bunch of college kids. They're playing a D and D game. Something happens, but they're sucked into the actual fantasy world, and they're all their characters. Mm-hmm. But they have their real world knowledge, but they're their fantasy characters. And about page forty five or forty six in the book, yeah, kills one of them. Kills right. a thief who's like, oh, fuck, I'm going to go pick this guy's purse. And it's like, gets <laughs> caught and fucking killed in the street. And the rest of them are like, oh, shit, this shit just got real. <laughs> this shit so just I got get real. It. Yeah. But it's it's funny that it's like, I just love the idea. It's like, eh, it's like session two. Fuck it. They're not that into their character yet. Right. That was some real shit. I, as a GM, have used this advice on different occasions and must admit that it is far sounder than I thought it to be. All too often we play with an unwritten assumption that PC death should be avoided and preferably have story meaning. This easily leads to players taking the character's immortality for granted. <clears throat> wow, this I is don't know if that's true. It could be a little true. Yeah, but if you have the players fight something huge, yeah, some big bad guy, they're afraid. That their characters are going to die. They don't think, ah, he's not going to kill our characters. Did players think that? I have never been in a game where I have thought, this guy's never going to kill my character. Ever. I don't don't know that I think that, but I think that sometimes the risk doesn't seem as great as I wish it was. Really? Games. Yeah. Oh, oh no! Every single time we've played Weird Wars, yeah, Rome, yeah, I thought we were gonna die. I thought I was gonna die every single game. There have been several times in Stu's Vampire game where I'm like, "Oh, fuck it, I'm dead. This is the end. I'm out. I'm done." <laughs> it's really, yeah, oh yeah, all the time. I've only maybe had... you just have like a doomsday yeah. fetish. Well, okay, it could be that, <laughs> or it could be that I'm sitting in the back of a town car and there's a fucking rocket going at it. Oh, okay, that is true. So let no, me did not so, do enough damage. So let me ask you this: no. when when your oh, spoilers, if you haven't listened to Star Wars AP yet. Uh, oh, the Traveler one. Uh, when your character died, mm-hmm. did you, like, was that a thing that you were like, oh, I'm sure one of us, like, was there a fear of mortality before that? Because there definitely was after that. Uh, Yeah, I mean, I was taking combat seriously. I'm just shitty at tactics. So the giant window I can't see through? No one's going to go through there because I wouldn't think that anyone would go through there because I would never think of going through it. <laughs> right. <laughs> That's nothing. But n- I don't think... No, I mean, but I know the system well enough to know that one or two good blaster bolts in the chest right. and you're out. Yeah. And that's it. So I, I don't think that I had a... I don't think I had... A, I, I don't think I, I was under the assumption that my character couldn't get killed. Not at all. Right. Okay. I mean, certainly, if there were any, it was if there was anyone at the table who had that, it was dispelled at yes. that point. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, knowing the system now, see, like tra- like 
Edge of the Empire, Age of Rebellion, mm-hmm. it's hard to get killed. Right. But we've talked about that going into it. You've got to get you've got to get a, a critical injury and you have to have had at least a couple, two or three of them stacked up and then roll shitty. Mm-hmm. So it's not that easy to die in that game. Uh, there was something else that's hard to die in. D and D fifth edition. You have yeah, to make those roll. You have to make those save. death roll death right. saves. Yeah. And the chances of you missing three of them in a row, especially when it's just a fifty fifty. Yeah, it's just roll ten or above. I wonder if this total tangent. Sorry, Tom is from Denmark. Uh, yeah. I wonder if it's because recently, uh, play mo- mostly campaign wise, play mostly tradi- traditional games. Uh, I tend to play ranged characters. Yeah. And I'll tell you, you can I- always turn turn tail and run if yeah. things get bad enough. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to amend my comment and say, at the Apocalypse World game I played in at yeah. the con. Yeah. I was not afraid of dying because yeah. I read over the, the, uh-huh. the no one's afraid of dying quick. in a con yep. game. Uh, no, <laughs> no, those are the only games I've ever died in. Yeah, but that's oh, really? probably why, as a player, <laughs> but I'm I like, didn't. I didn't see a systematic way where I could be killed. Like like D and D, you have a systematic way. You lose all your hit points. Oh no, you, you can you... die. I've died in in uh, ap- apocalypse engine games. I'll have to ask yeah. why offline. I don't yeah. think we need it. Yeah, sorry. But I, I my point was I just didn't see it. So I yeah. Continuing on, last time I did something like this was last fall. In a long time playing group with me as GM, we changed from playing Savage Worlds, which we had played for years, to Legend of the Five Rings. All right. Yeah. A shift in play styles and definitely in respect of the mortality of the rules. In one of the early episodes, a player engaged in a duel with a Ronin, and I decided to make the dice make the call. All out in the open. The first strike was a very serious wound to the PC, but he decided to press on. The second hit resulted in one dead samurai. All the players were in a bit of a shock, since the PC death is a far rarer occurrence in Savage Worlds. It definitely set the. So- uh, I'm sorry. It definitely set the tone for the rest of the campaign. Now you might want to have drink. Okay. Yes. <laughs> but I'm not a yeah. Now we might want to have drink. We are taking Refill drink now. Refill the glasses. Cheers to everyone on the podcast show. Why are you Russian suddenly? He's from Denmark. I know, but I read. That's I, I read Thank that you. that line. And in my head, that line Thank came across you. as Russian. Now you might want to have drink. You I don't know why. You might want to have you drink. You might want to have drink. Or Maybe he's from Russian <laughs> Denmark. That's Russians right? aren't the only people that drop or English East, articles. Eastern European. Well, I know, but... <laughs> Good, I'm sorry. Fucking I, New York Times drops English articles. Boom! <laughs> like that. <laughs> yeah. Boom! <laughs> Every issue. Pow. <laughs> oh, Lord. <laughs> Let they drop them like a mic. <laughs> the question... We crack ourselves up. We totally do. <laughs> I am currently running two campaigns. One of them, a Savage Worlds Ripper campaign with a group of young players yay. about age 16 to 20. By the way, is everybody Double here know yay. the Rippers? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. That's so good. It yeah. is. Yeah, so good. Uh, they are in London, fog and all, and have been tasked with a simple detective job, the theft of an ancient Tibetan statue uh-huh. from an esteemed lord and sponsor of the Ripper's monster hunting cause. Nice. While investigating the scene of the crime, a large and posh townhouse, 
One of the players suspects that the butler might have something to do with the crime. He has one of only two known keys to the library, and was the last person to see the statue. Dun-dun-dun! The player starts interviewing the butler and the other staff and searches the butler's room. After a bit of role-play, I allow the player to make an investigation test. He scores two raises and looks at me with great expectations. I want to respect the dice in the plot and clearly <laughs> state, You are certain that the butler is innocent. There are no clues whatsoever that incriminate him in regards to the theft. The theft has a paranormal explanation. The player's eyes start to lose the glint of excitement that the great dice roll created. He so much wanted to be right. So do I, as I so often do. So I do, as I so often do, improvise. But, since you rolled that great, I am sure that you have uncovered some other secret. Roll a six-sided die to determine how grave a secret it is. The player rolls a five, and in the spirit of cooperative storytelling, it is determined that the butler has embezzled some money from the lord of the manor. Oh, good. Another die roll with an exploding result tells us that the butler has been skimming off thousands of pounds <laughs> over several years. By the way, awesome on the part of the GM. Yep. Yeah, totally. I'm, that is a absolutely. great. Yes. You made a great roll. If it doesn't fit with the story, we'll come up with another yep. branch of the story. Yep. Yep. Right. Yep. 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 The game trucks on now. We are two sessions down the road. All sorts of things have happened in the case. A monster hunt is on, and we've had a knife fight in an early live picture theater. Plus, there's been some dodging of the Scotland Yard detectives who suspect that the PCs are up to something. But now, out of nowhere, the players have agreed to investigate the butler, knowing that this is not related to the case at hand. I love the active players. And, of course, this must result in some kind of adventure. Nevertheless, nevertheless, I am a bit lost on ideas. So, please, what kind of shenanigans would the butler be involved with? And how do I make sure that the investigation is not about a trail of papers, a.k.a. the game of accounts and ledgers? Best regards, Thomas from Denmark. He is financing something terrible. Mm -hmm. Thousands of pounds. Big money. That's, that's it. back big then. Money, that's yeah. huge money. Yep. Maybe he's maybe he's secretly funneling the money to the Kaiser, or maybe he's funneling the money to uh, in London. It could, maybe he's funneling money to the IRA. Rippers is about, if I remember correctly, um, you get to rip parts off of monsters or other creatures and, and integrate them mm -hmm. into yourself. Um, is that? A supernatural ability or a science ability? I think it's a bit of both, as I recall. Is there it's Savage Worlds, so they're the same thing. Well, you yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It's kind of true. It is, it's kind of true. And I like Savage Worlds. Is, it, is, is there an organization that does now you're beyond ripping? my realm of I don't remember understanding. I know I, but, I, I, but if not this guy's starting one that's sure. what I'm saying he's right. starting he's starting an opposing organization to um I don't know uh start giving Germany ripping technology which or maybe he's starting a underground railroad for monsters to get them away from <laughs> to get them away from the rippers from that's the rippers. excellent who not I mean Basically, what I—I I mean, it's like a brainstorming session. What could you do with thousands of pounds in London at that time? 
in a supernatural mm-hmm. right in a supernatural yeah. world. You could fund a war, right? You could fund <laughs> yeah, a you war. Could fund a war, yeah. And yeah. so, what? Who is this guy? What would he? And you know, because you, you've already done some minimal amount of of background work on an NPC. He at least has a name, and you've you know had him react in a certain way to the players. Mm-hmm. So now think about well, okay, well, what if I start extrapolating off of that? What would make sense? Right, right. What could be what could be lying underneath there, right? And that's the that's the in my mind the fun challenge mm-hmm. for it because again, using my most recent long term campaigning GMing experience, Cure Starfall was a name on a piece of paper until you guys decided he was a lot more than that, right? Mm-hmm. And so it, then it became like, okay, well, fuck. Now it's time to do some work and figure out what this guy is and what his motivations are and what he's doing and. I can have him showing up more often. You know, it's like oh, yeah. he's the he's the interesting storyline related NPC that the group demanded. So it's, now it's it's like the in my vampire game, it's the old lady that owns a bar. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the party decides yeah. no, she's got to be more than that. Okay, yeah, she's more than that. Yeah, she's a mage, right? And so the, <laughs> your group oh, has obviously out. decided the butler is more than he seems. Yeah. And sure, he's not a part of this theft. Oh, but there's some shit going underneath there. Right. So here, what an awesome opportunity. Uh, and and th- and those those rabbit holes that you go down, that is collaborative storytelling. Mm-hmm. That's what it is. The players have told you, yeah. this is what we Absolutely. think is the most interesting thing here. Fucking make it the most interesting thing. Right. No, and th- and that's. That was brilliant, like you said, to, you know, just, like, notice that the player was disappointed that, mm-hmm, you know, even yeah. if it was the correct response to that die roll, that uh, they needed to provide more, like, interesting... Yeah. Yeah. Here, here we go. That was he found cool. the He found the oh, entrance to a rabbit hole. Yep. yep. Here, here we go. That was cool. The butler funded the theft of the Tibetan statue and has been funding the theft of many, many other statues. He's worked for many prominent other families in that's London. Right. Well, that's right. That's what I was going to say, because he's not really a butler. Yeah, because when you put them all together, you can summon the biggest, baddest-assed monster that can be ripped from ever, and he's going to rip it himself and then take over the world. <laughs> there you oh, go. That's awesome. If he, that's how the he, sitting works. I don't he, yeah. becomes, <laughs> he becomes your bad guy. The butler is now... The puppet master for all the bad and stuff. And never let on to the players that you made that out of whole cloth. It's like, no, God, no. That's can you the way. imagine if we hadn't made that one roll? <laughs> that's the way it's right. always been. The butler's right. always been the bad guy. Good job, guys. Figure that out. Right on. No, that's awesome. Yep. It is. Um, I like it. We're sitting out here. Oh, almost a two hours. Maybe he's running a. Maybe he goes and like collects monsters for people. Yeah. He's been in and his startup funding was out of the Lord's money or something. He's like a, a, a collector, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, or like a bounty yeah. hunter, or, or, or yeah. he's a he's yeah he's a gatherer. People like I I want this kind of monster. Okay, we'll we'll procure that for you. Yep. but he had startup costs. Right. Yeah, totally. Right? Or maybe he's got some horrible fucking supernatural addiction that's super fucking expensive. Yeah, oh, yeah, that could be. Right? Or maybe. Uh, again, it's like I'm very tenuous with the system, but maybe like he's some kind of ripper addict, and it's gotten super out of control, and so he has to take some kind of either scientific or magical suppression. Methadone. Yeah, that- like suppression, so it doesn't get out, and it's super expensive. 
And if he ever loses his supply of money, which now they're threatening to, like, remove, Mm -hmm. he's going to just, like, fucking become some horrible creation. Like, there's all kinds of crazy shit. Oh, yeah. It's great. He's addicted to the energy that comes off of a ripper when you rip what they've already ripped. What? He's... He, I don't know. It's an, it's an enigma <laughs> inside of an onion. No, it, so you're wrapped you, around a riddle. You yeah. have a ripper, right? A ripper is a dude that pulls the shit off of monsters and integrates them into himself. He's addicted to the energy that's created when you take those those um, augmentations from one of those people. So he's actually killing the good guys. Oh, it's interesting. Okay, and it creates some kind of addictive thing that maybe he's funding orphanages. You could also Maybe. go like a completely really different really direction. Nice no, no. Super nice uh, shit. It's hilarious that you say that, though, because I was thinking that, but they're doing ripper experiments. Oh! So the parents are oh, he's funding orphanages. Oh. And yeah. then they look at the orphanages and says, oh, fuck! Why do yeah. all the babies have yeah. claws? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's, I think the that's the best ripper. one. <laughs> all right, that, yeah. I think, I think, yeah. I think we've come it, to yeah. the best yeah. one. <laughs> because they can decide, do they dig deeper, right? Yep, you guys have figured it out. He's actually establishing orphanages across England. Oh my God, that's so wow, wonderful! What a great guy. Wow, and you we see children one. with crab arms. Yeah, fuck. <laughs> Standing awesome. there with his mother's eyeballs. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'm gonna call it. It. It's late. Call it. It's late-ish. It's late. We start late. We did. We, did, we started late tonight. Well, it's ten forty-eight. You had to make the cameras work. The cameras work. No, but you had to make them work. I know. That was some cameras. early fall oh, by the way, we can get on, was it Spotify or Pandora? Whatever one is. Spotify. Doing, Spotify. You cannot play any um, copyrighted or uh, otherwise licensed material. Even if it's your own? Yes. That makes no sense. Spotify, ASCAP, BMI, they have very specific agreements with them mm-hmm. so even if you have something that you did it doesn't matter what if, if what if we play it and then bmi cuts us our check i think that would be a problem for spotify and as far as i i don't know it's so confusing right it is so if we want to do it, I have to stop playing songs at the end of the episodes. Unless they're... Never published anywhere, as far as I can discern. But then does that mean you can't have the lead song either? I have to do all new ones that were never published anywhere. Bullshit. <laughs> so wow. I, I don't know how to get around it, because there's only yeah. one... There's Blueberry is That's the one company that, uh, that, that Spotify is going to use basically as the conduit for podcasts to come in. Hmm. So, I don't know. I don't well, know. I mean, I it, it the technical part of it is feasible because I can set up in WordPress. I can set up a channel mm-hmm. that is a separate. The, the regular podcast feed would remain the same for everyone else, but I would basically create a channel and I would duplicate the MP3 file so that there's a separate feed that I would give to Spotify, okay. and Spotify would use that feed so they wouldn't have any of the back catalog with any of the copyrighted material. Okay. See what I'm saying? Well, yes. Yeah. Are, are uh, you saying 
two MP3s, one with no, music, one without? No, same MP3 file from okay. now, from whenever but it from, starts on. Yeah. Okay. But the but one of the feeds would not contain anything previous that had any music in it. Right, but the other one does. So you can go back and get the whole back catalog. Yes, you'd still, you the back catalog would still be on the on, And that feed would never change. That would be the same feed that iTunes uses and everything. Right. But the other the other feed would just have stuff from when we stopped using music. So we're, so we can't. We already pre rolled on this one. But yeah, but it stuff, wouldn't so be that. I haven't signed up yet. Right. How, how hard would it be for you to do? I'm one not doing PDF that. With, I'm not doing that. You're not doing that. She no. doesn't even edit. No, I'm not doing that. <laughs> well, see, I just had a phone call today from a company that's doing a podcast app um, that they want us to be in that uh, is going to do revenue sharing, and they're going to do in-show ad placements if you listen to it through their app. That's how they're going to monetize. Mm-hmm. Um, and they asked if, if, if they wanted the show to be kind of more organized into segments, we'd probably do it from email to email. Mm-hmm. I would imagine. I just have to write down the time codes. Can I ask. I'm. I'm thinking as a listener with a numer like a number of different podcast apps that you can use. Mm-hmm. What would compel you to use something where you're going to get advertisements? And I don't know. Because everything's free, so why would yeah. I care? I don't know. Because it sounded like a really good idea, and I'm like, oh, it's another app that dude, people are. And then I was like, oh. Well, you never know. I mean, well, it's I, like fucking Hulu Plus. I mean, today, why are people still using Stitcher? Because you can stream off of thousands of other podcast apps. But people are still using Stitcher. And Stitcher has ads. That's a good point. I don't use Stitcher. But I don't either. But But there are people who do. People do. Yeah. It's interesting. I don't know. So, but for them, they were like, oh, we're either going to have you send us separate MP3 files for each segment. Fuck that. Right. Or one file and you just tell us where the time codes are. And I could always look and say, okay, we finished this email. Here's a market, you know, right. 30 minutes, 25 seconds. Right. That's where you can put your break for the ad. Right. So. It seems like a lot of work. It does. That's less than sending them three MP3 or well, four MP3 fuck yeah. files. Yeah. So the question is, and are we... Are we are we just discussing it? Or are we asking well, our that's, fans? That's kind of the thing I'm wondering because I mean, how, there's how a lot of you to the, like the song at the end, right? There's a lot of people on Spotify. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I, I'll throw out a proposal. Mm-hmm. Let's write a couple, three new intro music things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then just start writing stupid, goofy, throwaway music for the end. <laughs> you, you can you can have that thing Bill and I just did. I'll, I, okay, I'm, well, I've got it. I've got it. Totally cool with that. Yeah, well, like we'll just we'll come in and do some, and then we'll like make them game oriented, and you know, we'll we'll grab a like a six pack or nine of beers and come in the studio for a weekend, and we'll do it. One of the we'll bang that shit out. One of the whole reasons for doing the songs at the end is so that people who listen to the podcast can find about find out about bands, yeah. right? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. But, as soon as you send it to CD Baby to go and put it on iTunes or something. Bam! It's too complicated for Spotify to include. That's the problem. Right. Unless you release everything on Creative Commons. I suppose you could do. I don't know. I, so, I don't know. seems like that's So, a, ha- how attached are you to the song at the end of the episode? Because that would be the... Right. The easiest way would just be to not to do them. Anyway. Right. And, and come up with 
intros that have music that we'll never publish. Right. <laughs> See, I, oh, we can write a lot of that. Oh, yes, absolutely. <laughs> I, I think I think for for me, I think the 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 gaming music, the I storked it. The, oh, I know. The, uh, laser printed hero. I think those are more uh, a product identity of the show than is the boggards and wise music at the end. Sure, I, I'm sure there's only a fraction of people that make it all the way to the end of an episode. Oh, we barely make it to the end of an episode. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know. I mean, and, and and it's not even as much of a fact as how attached are people to the song at the end as what is the potential audience on people. For, from Spotify. So, oh. I'll, let me throw out an idea. Mm-hmm. So, this is what? Episode 10? 11? 11. 11. So, for the rest of the... This how fast season? can you get on, on Spotify? Can you be up oh, by I next no week? Idea. All right. Uh, I, I doubt it's that All right. Fast. So, like... But figure out how fast we could be on there. And then when we know what's going to go up there, let's just try it. And mm-hmm. then you can do a sampling. Right? Data, data rules all. So, like, at the right. sampling of... Does our listenership go up because of Spotify exposure? That's the other problem because they pull the files in and serve them themselves. So I won't even get stats on on what they what they're doing. Wait, we never know how unless, much unless they provide them, and I don't know if they will. So we got it, but then it's fucking worthless if we yeah. don't know if like yeah. you get well, one you, you, or one million more listeners. You're it's right. No, let, let me let me look into that because I'm not. I, There's got to be some way you, as the as I'm, the podcaster, I'm, gets metrics. I'm almost positive they're going to copy the file, so it's, all the Spotify listeners will be one download. As far as my server is concerned, sure, they might provide. They got to have to. They have to give you data for that. They have to. They would have to. I would yeah. think so. Otherwise, think so. they 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 bring no value. But I kind of kind of need to know how many listeners you have. Sure. Right, because if yeah. we look at it and we go like, oh, nine people listen through Spotify, then eh, fuck it. Right. You know, I mean, we love you, nine listeners, but fuck it, right? Right. But if it's like, wow, we just added, we just a doubled. A thousand. Yeah, or... we just like, yeah, added a bunch of listeners, you know, some appreciable appreciable number, then it's totally worth it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And we can do other stuff. Of course, the downside is no more Happy Jack's theme song. No, there'll be different new Happy Jack's theme song. Right. Yeah. It's a, it's a, Creative that you'll only be able to get on the show. But That's that right. One's, but that one's so awesome. Which one? They're the the Russian national oh, that, one. Oh, that. That's not copyrighted. Yeah. I don't think not? I've ever published that. That's right. the Soviet national anthem. No, I don't think you can publish no. copyright national anthem. It should be like a secret track on something or something. But it's never been. Yeah. No, I've never not put it on years. anything. Yeah. Yeah, we can always, we can always okay. use that. Oh, okay. I think so. Yay. I was thinking, uh, as a total aside, at some uh, at our next con show, mm-hmm. we should close it out by doing a group sing-along of the Happy Jacks theme song. I've got the music. We could learn it. It's yeah. three, three part. Oh, Happy Jacks, our <laughs> RPG <laughs> podcast. We'll just like, pick another national anthem. And... Yeah. Um, no, I'm sure you could use that still. I think so. Okay. Oh, well, then I don't care. Happy <laughs> Jacks, RPG I like the, podcast. I like all the, the beginning songs, but there can be new ones. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Cool. It's cool. Happy Jack's RPG Podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. Just, it's all good. <laughs> Use the same lyrics, too. Just oh, yeah. Songs. Just like, why fucking rewrite the lyrics? <laughs> exactly. That's just work. Just cram them in. That's what we would do. All right. I'm going to end it. Okay. Okay. <laughs>
Thank you for joining us for Season 16, Episode 11 of the Happy Jack's RPG Podcast. My name is Stu. This is Gino. This is Comrade Vladimir. <laughs> and, and I am Tim. Thank you for joining us for Season 16, Episode 11. And we'll see you next week on Friday. We'll stream live again at happyjacks.org slash live. Again, if you want to email us, email us at happyjacksrpg at gmail.com. We will see you next week. We'll leave you with a song this time. Heart is
bunny berets Where the sun shines bright On Lach Lohman Where me and my true love Were ever once again On the bunny, bunny banks Of Lach Lohman Oh, you take the high road And I'll take the low road And I'll be in Scotland before you But me and my true love Will never meet again Bunny banks of Loch Lomond Red is the rose that in yon garden grows And fair is the lily of the valley And clear are the waters that flow from the boy But my love, she is fairer than any On the bunny, bunny banks of Loch Has been a presentation of the Angry Folk Media Empire. Bum, bum.